All right, so uh, welcome back to the Tokenet podcast. This is the second episode, and today we are going to be talking about the recently wrapped Common Rider Gain. I am Aoi Karanai, and I am joined by. This is Kevin Bruner. Hello, I'm Tom Constantine. I'm Katie Komiyamakuni or Kiladelfo. Whatever you please. And I'm Brian, otherwise known as Shugo and Shinobi. I'm Inui Takumi, known as, also known as Yas. Awesome. So, um, yeah, Common Rider Gaim just ended. Um, it's, uh, what, the 15th Heisei show, right? Yep. That is correct, yes. Okay, right. We found so, old civil all of a sudden. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's going to change very fast. It's going to change very fast. Um, so, yeah, this was a pseudo-anniversary show, and um, I guess we'll just go ahead and jump right in it. What did you people think when y'all heard the new writer show is going to be fruit-based? Like, more than that, how, how did you think a superhero based on fruits would work? I, I have to admit, when I saw that it was going to be uh, fruit-themed, uh, particularly the, the rumors started on 210 uh, uh, that uh, they were going to be using uh, like a cutting board-themed uh, oh, yeah, toy. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. that was... And nobody believed it at the time, too. And then the toys came out, and we saw that they had a chopping board toy, and everyone... I, I, I remember th- saying I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Uh, I couldn't see how they could make a superhero show out of it, but... Suddenly, by the end, we have religious mythology, Garden of Eden, and the writer ascending to godhood. <laughs> Something I don't think has ever actually been done in a common writer show before. Yeah, I remember at the time speaking with Dicker End, uh, because the posts on 2chan were actually from a reputable source, and... We were just like, this can't be true. Like, this can't. Be, this is just a joke. He's just winding everybody up this one time, and then as soon as he got announced, we were like, Jesus! <laughs> like, it was, it was, it was the most funny collective groan from everyone in the fandom, and anyone you showed it to were just like puzzled, like just did not understand the concept. And for us, we've had some pretty kooky mm-hmm. uh, motifs, but to do something like fruits is. Uh, even strange for us, yeah. but I suppose now on reflection, um, like with Drive, when all the Drive news started coming out, I was like, no judgments. No. You cannot have judgments on anything anymore for mm. this these kind of shows. When we've just had Fruit Rider Samurai being one of the best ones that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I remember when we first heard about it. Like we had just come off of Wizard, and we had we had a Wizard, we had an astronaut. We already saw, like, for years, it's been going away from the, you know, the bug motif. So when I saw Fruit Ride, I was like, okay, they've gone off the deep end. They've run out of ideas. There's no way this can be good. And even if I, when I heard the writer of the show, I was like, how are you going to do this? Like, because we heard about the behind-the-scenes stuff where they had, like, I think they had, like, a samurai theme beforehand, and then... Bandai came uh, originally over. they wanted to do a bug theme again mm-hmm. and then Bandai went no fruits yeah 
So I thought, oh, yeah. okay. I can't help but wonder if this was some kind of reaction to to the unhealthy eating promoted by uh, wizards constantly <laughs> eating donuts all the time. Oh God, we've contributed to childhood obesity. Um, what do we do? Uh, let's make them eat fruits. <laughs> or it was, it was like we joked about that, but there were Japanese news articles about how because of wizard kids were eating like. Two hundred percent more donuts or oh something. My God, really? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Just imitating the the right yeah. Well, and then thirteen episodes again. In uh, kids never want to eat fruits ever again. <laughs> it's I don't, that, I don't uh, want a soda drink. <laughs> it's that famous. Uh, I'm going to make kids scared of orange juice. Quote. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I was intrigued to be honest. First, I mean, I saw. Well, I didn't read rumors or anything. The first time I had contact with Gaiman was when I saw the actual writer. Mm-hmm. And the summary theme really, really was intriguing for me and how they were going to articulate it with fruit. And the fact that even though fruit sounds like a really, well, it sounded then like a little far-fetched thing to, to, to base that common writer on, this kind of concept went through a lot of producers, a lot of executives, a lot of people who know how to sell stuff. And well, make a half decent TV show. So, and then the word Sengoku came in, and then I wondered how they were going to articulate the samurai theme, the fruit theme, and then the, the specific theme of the of the Sengo, of the of the Sengoku period, and and the fact that there was uh, an Occidental writer, and then there was this Chinese style writer. How, what the relationship would be? Because I mean, you don't know who is who at first. You, they just show you the writers. So, how is this going to 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 play? And well, yes, I mean, my reaction was uh, intrigued most of all. I just couldn't handle it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just I remember reading it and coming off of a theme like magic, and then, then it's like, here's fruit samurais, and they're gonna have a, a cutting device on their driver, and it'll cut the fruit. And I'm sitting here going, no, how did no. this happen? Like, who thought this was a good idea? And then the pictures came out, and I'm like, okay, this just got weirder. Like, these are some really crazy designs. Uh, And then I saw the toys, and I'm still kind of questioning it. And then the show started, and then everything was okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we're all standing quite calm and collects now. But at the time, there was an awful lot of, like, oh, Jesus, like, what? What is this hobby that we all enjoy and watch? Because yeah. why are we it, doing when, this? <laughs> yeah, when it first got announced, Wizard was, I think, roughly about two thirds of the way in, mm-hmm. and even by that point, the most devoted Wizard fans were acknowledging that the show wasn't hitting the hitting the mark in places. That's the most conservative way that I can think to say it. Um, and so then when that got announced, people were like, oh, God, this is what is happening to Ryder. It's kind of just veering off in a direction that we're not of uncertainty and craziness. Um, but in the end, you know, <laughs> it was ridiculous. I was a little bit more uh, inspired when I heard that Urobuchi was going to be writing for it, though, because I've been pretty impressed with his past works. Um uh, I guess my first introduction, most people's first introduction to it is is, is Madoka. And um, Tom was just talking about earlier how when you go into Madoka, uh, the way they advertised it, uh, they made it seem like it was going to be a very normal magical girl show, Moe, even. And um, 
then the third episode hits and uh, suddenly everyone's jaw hits the floor and people sit up and take notice. And I think that's kind of what happened with this one. You get the first several episodes of Kota goofing around with his superpowers and it looks like it's about uh, uh, West Side Story, the Common Rider series. And then suddenly we've moved into the fruit apocalypse and government conspiracies and uh, half of the world has been... Uh, blown into nuclear Armageddon, and uh, suddenly we have a people fighting over godhood. Fratricide. Mm. Yes. It, it, yeah. It was very... Yeah, the escalation um, was very nicely done, because before the show aired, Udabucha... <laughs> Udabuchi, sorry. Udabucha. Um, his, 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 <laughs> for those of you who, 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 who don't know that, by the way, his, his fan nickname is Udabucher. Uh because of his tendency to make characters die. Mm, <laughs> repeatedly. Sometimes yes. <laughs> the same characters. Um, <laughs> uh, he announced before that it was basically split up into different arcs. And the first arc was the beat writer's arc. And then the second arc was the uh, uh, the corporation. It was going to be theirs. And... So even from the beginning, even though when it was being really wacky, I knew that it was going to go somewhere because there were points that you weren't you weren't quite sh- it wasn't like oh it's just cutesy it's just cutesy and it, it was the same with uh, Madoka that even though it was it looked like a magical girl series when they were fighting the monsters these monster designs were incredible they were very well done but they were very creepy and there were points in Gaim that you were watching, and it was like, uh, with Yuya, uh, his friend that he kills in the first episode, like, it's kind of implied right at the beginning that that is Yuya, and he killed him. A lot of but people had they made ca- a guess, and they, they never yeah. proved it, yeah. Yeah, and it just kind of, they just swept it under the carpet, and it was like, I remember watching that and going like, okay, this show is definitely going to get dark later on, because... They can't have missed that. They have to go back to the fact that he just killed one of his best friends, and then they kind of did. <laughs> and yeah, and it was yeah. Um, so I think it, like even some people wrote the show off way too early, not realizing that it was setting up for something bigger. Well, I mean, you have to understand what the circumstance was. People, I saw some comments saying that the wizard was the the, the he said come and write a Ghostbusters. And that, uh, I mean, well, the same thing happened. I mean, the thing that came to save the, at least the credibility of the franchise, in this case, Gaim, and in the same time case, Kyoryuja, but, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I think that in a, for a certain sector of the fan base, it was a crisis for, for the Kamen Rider. It, yeah, because there was also the time when we had season two of Akibar Ranger, which people didn't respond as well to as the first season. We also had the third series of Garo, the Yamio. Yeah, that's it. And which people were a bit up and down about. Like they didn't think it was really bad, but they didn't think it was as good as other Garo. And one year later. So Yeah, and was that also <laughs> the year that we had Ultraman Saga? Yeah. yeah. Wait, no, was it? Oh no, we had Ginga. Yeah, we had Ginga, Ginga as well. Yeah, Ginga. That was a bad and, year. Um, so it it was a really <laughs> weird year. I'm of hearing like... a lot of sighs in the background. <laughs> <laughs> It's dawning on me how awful that year was. <laughs> Except I actually liked that season of Garo a lot, but outside of that... Yeah, I loved it. 
Yeah. Other yeah, than I mean, this, though, I mean, Wizard has probably Wizard had a lot going for it. Um, it's just that for some reason it, it came out overwhelmingly mediocre. Everything was predictable from the start. The toy, by the way, is one of my favorite toys that they've ever put out for a common rider uh, the, uh, series. The driver. Uh, yeah, the driver, the fact that you can use the rings and they have radio frequency transmitters in it and it can actually tell which ring you're holding over. It's still one the of the gim- coolest The gimmick toys. was really good, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But in the show itself... It was not used to its full potential and neither was the script. The and it's character. such an easy yeah. concept um, to work with magicians. How cool is yeah, our magicians? Yes. It's just wizard stuff. It was really easy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, before we veer too much into Cameron Rider Wizards, uh <laughs> Low Visibility has a podcast on Cameron Rider Wizard. I think she has two or maybe three. I, I can't remember. So, but yeah. those are worth checking out because she goes really into depth into it. And yes, let's go back to Gaim. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Urobuchi, from what I understand, uh, he has stated in interviews that he is a huge fan of Kamen Rider Yuki. Um in particular, he loves the idea of a, uh, he actually called it a rider battle royale, uh, where the last man standing uh, uh, is the victor. And that's definitely what, what I saw out of this. But it also, a lot of people said that Madoka was his version of Yuki, and he finally got the chance to do his version of Yuki. Uh, but everyone was suspecting that there was going to be, everyone was saying, oh, they're just going to do a time loop ending, and everything's going to get reset back to normal. Um at the end of Gaim. Of course, we saw that didn't happen, but what did you guys think going into this? Did you think, uh, what, what did you predict was going to happen at the end? Time loop. Yeah, time loop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was expecting a reset. Or One of the things I thought of, um, I can't say a while back, it was only like two weeks. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that maybe they would twist it a little bit to go backwards, uh, knowing that Kota would end up winning if he used the power to go backwards so that everyone was alive and dandy and everything was fine, but he didn't exist anymore. Which in, is exactly the ending from Madoka. Sorry world. for those of you who haven't Spoilers. seen it. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. That's I never why even I see that, and I can predict that. That's cool. No. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That, that was my thought, was either a time loop or that they would just go completely backwards, except Kota doesn't exist anymore. So. See, the reason I thought they would do a time loop... Well... Partly from the beginning where they were saying that, oh, the, uh, the forest is going to take over, it's going to kill everybody, we lost loads of people, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, time loop's a really easy way just to sort it out. But then when, was it America sent all the missiles to try That's and destroy? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, he just teleports them back to America and you see on the news, like, oh, America is in, like, devastated um, because all parts of it have been destroyed because they sent the missiles back. And I was like, oh, they're totally going to fix, like, time... when." <laughs> They're going to time warp it, and it's going to fix everything. But then they don't, and then it's just like the last episode where it's like seven months later, and uh, Takatora's like, oh, you know, the world still needs fixing and stuff. And I was like, oh, shit, half of America's been destroyed. <laughs> it was a very mature thing, I think, for them to do from a story standpoint, because you had to understand the primary audience for Kamen Rider is, is going to be kids, mostly. And to show them that there's not always a magic reset button that fixes everything, that, that just faith and, and hopefulness is going to do it, I think is a very uh, adult way of, of looking at it. And when you get down to it, Kamen Rider Gaim is really a show that is about putting aside childish things, growing up and making something 
better of yourself. And all of the characters really experience that in, in some way throughout the storyline. Yeah, there's... In particular, the dancing, I think, is good to talk about the next, because that is a major point of the first 14 episodes, at least. Yes. Dance. And people people did not like the dancing. And I'll be honest, the dancing choreography was pretty bad. It was, it, it was really bad. It was and really it was funny, big... too. In some of the episodes where they were supposed to have... You would notice that in the episodes where the dancing was actually going to be an important part of it, you would see these members of the teams that you had never seen in yeah. any other episodes <laughs> before. So they hired these extras who knew how to dance. Yep. Mm. And uh, fans didn't like the dancing because they were like, oh, it's really stupid and uh, it, it's not needed. But when I watched it, at least, I could see that the contrast between the dancing is that from the very first episode, um, Kota isn't in Team Gaim anymore. He's quit to be an adult yeah. because he's trying to get a part-time job and he's trying to grow up. And the dancing is basically like a symbol of being young and innocent and like naive. And when he gets the Kamen Rider belt, he then joins Gaim again. And his sister's like, why are you doing this? Like, you're acting like children. You're not doing this for anybody else apart from yourselves. And he's like, oh, okay, shit. And then eventually quits and tries to be more mature. And the same, Kaito had a similar experience in that he ditched, as soon as he got the ability to go to the next level he ditched the team like that he was out and Michi wanted everybody to stay innocent and stay happy so he stayed in the team pretending to be innocent when actually he wasn't which really reflects his character as a whole because he spent majority of the series pretending that he was this really nice guy but secretly he was doing all these really dodgy dealings and working and, for the adult know. corporation that Work for the adult corporation, and they and try to end the world partly as well. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then the last episode, the world is safe. All the original characters are dancing again; they're all happy, and they're even saying to Michi, "Like Michi, come dance with, come dance with us. You know, it's it's fine. Like you know, everything's safe. We can be young and free and happy again." It's not fine. Uh, well, yeah, no, it wasn't just fine. He did a lot of bad things but um yeah the, the dancing does have a really important part of the show because it's just it's like the innocentness yeah. of everyone and like people without troubles and... at the end of the show we have kota and mai have basically ascended gone on to some other plane of existence and left behind the human part of themselves. And as you said, we have all the characters that have returned to their innocent. Uh, there's even, you know, there's even a parallel made where DJ Sagrada says to them, uh, "Are you really going to leave behind this this paradise and, and go out to to this 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 barren landscape?" And so we have this Eden image of Earth as this perfect paradise that that uh, the the good people, the innocents, live in, whereas the people who know good and evil have to leave it um so michi comes back to 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 this and he like i said he's actually been on both sides of this uh i'm curious what you guys think does he uh, did he actually deserve to after all the things that he did to people did he really deserve to get forgiven what do you think no <laughs> all right let's let's do a round table 
who votes for yes, he deserved to be forgiven. I vote for yes. I actually do. I vote for, I yes, vote for yes as well. I, right, so I vote for yes. Alright, so we've got, yes. so so got five yeses. yeses. And for no, who voted no? Me. <laughs> right. State your claim. Because yes. I don't like him. That's, <laughs> that's my only reason. No, but do you don't like him as a character or...? No, uh, entirely a character. Like, and here's the thing: is that I actually really dig him. He's a a great character and probably one of my favorite characters of the show. Uh, it's just one of those things where he did so much that I personally wouldn't ever forgive him. But I, I Mm. like what the show did absolutely. So I'm kind of on both sides of the fence. But I would never personally forgive him after all that. Um, um, with me, it's uh. I say it's cool to forgive him, but you also have to understand that by the point he's forgiven, a lot of time has passed through these characters, so it's not just like the next day, hey, you're mm. cool, let's, let's go dance again. Like He's had to go through that process. Although Zach was willing to do it from the first time, and Michi was still playing himself as he should. Zach's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like that Pecco said no. Yeah. Like I didn't I, I I didn't want them to all be like, Yeah, it's okay now, Mitchie, it's all okay. Come on, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we know you tried to kill everybody um, in the world, but you know, come on back and dance but, for this, it's cool now. But the, it was Zach's character to be uh, you know, oh come on, everything's fine now, come and join. Like he was he was I I really like Zach because he's like the everyman, like the everyman nice guy, yeah. like the nice guy at the party. Which is <laughs> weird because he didn't start like that at all. No, actually, no, he, he was like the first antagonist, wasn't he? Like, like yeah, he was, he was exactly yeah. the first antagonist. He was the first person to come up and and throw down against Team Gaim. He was a jerk to begin with, and yeah. he turned out to be one of the nicest guys in the series. <laughs> mm. It's just it, it was interesting, but I mean, like then Pico was like, no, no, he deserves it. He deserves it, and I liked that there was still a, a contrast: people who liked him and then people who didn't, and that was okay. I think what I liked about the fact that everybody else was willing to forgive him, but he's not willing to forgive himself, and the fact that he's technically the last person to have a belt, it makes it so that he it sets him off to like a path of redemption kind of thing, where he can sort of redeem himself slowly by being the the new hero of the series. Like if this show went on, it would be about Mitchie, you know, protecting everybody. And, no, you're right. Yeah. I think that it's not about him redeeming himself. It's about us watching, seeing him in, in on the path of redemption. I mean, he yeah. has many things to 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 think about, many guilts to get rid of, etc. But we we have now hope for him. That that's what I liked about, it, and that's why I was able to forgive him. Because I mean, one thing is, I mean, there were, this was this little bastard slime ball. <laughs> And I loved him. I loved him. I, I I have said it many times. I think he's the best character out of the main of the main cast. I mean, the, the richest one, and the best acted. But uh, and I hated him. And I wanted him to to die in the most uh, pathetic way. But then that last second on on the episode forty six, I think it was, when he saw Takatora wake up. Yeah. I mean that that's that's oh. what, I mean the acting I talk about. Michi was broken. He was back to being that little boy. Just, just being, being happy and relieved that his big brother was not dead, and that's why I, I could let go of all the hatred I felt for him. He was it's like, exact. Well, he, at, at what point kid, did everyone cry in that episode? They, well, I, I did cry. I did cry. It was that I, moment I, I, that I just broke. Yeah, it was really heartbreaking. The part when after he says Nissan and then 
Takatora yeah, just yeah, sort yeah. of smiles at him. Yeah. Because like, the... it, it, it sort of symbolized that they both had a chance to make up. Like It was really healing for both, yeah, them for both of the them. audience, I think. And that's what really got um, uh, Mine was when they put the Hassa poster up. Yeah, that was oh. definitely... That, that, that got me straight away, and then from that point, it was just a downward spiral, just crying for the rest of the episode. That, that was the second character who I, I actually originally predicted that Jonochi was going to suffer for, for betraying Hase like that, and you know getting him killed and not care about it. And actually, one of the biggest complaints that I heard all through the series was, does he know? Does he know what happened to Hase? Well, he sure, surely he knows by now what happened. And then in 46, they showed... He didn't know what happened to it, yeah. and felt he so felt bad, bad about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And then they actually, in '47, went ahead and, and uh, uh, you know did that. The, the, my one complaint that I have to say about the show is that I liked his change so much, you know, in change in personality, um, that I wish they would have left him with the the driver so that he replaced it. And yeah. and fortunately, he loses it in the last fight, and. I really thought he had the opportunity to become some kind of amazing protector. Mm. He could be the secondary rider to the new Michi. Yeah. To the rehabilitated mm. Michi. And unfortunately, they smashed it. So, mm. Well, that scene with Takatora <sighs> was beautiful as well. I mean, his conversation and how he came to realize... I mean, he, he did know that Takatora had a, a spare driver and that he wanted to, to have it, but not for the spotlight that he would have done at the beginning when, when his character hadn't developed. He, he, he was. I mean, he would do it because now he knew what had happened to to Hase, to Hase, and that he wanted mm. to 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 do something to to remember him, to honor him, and and to redeem himself. Um, mm. I I love that he did the henchin pose. Yeah, yes. Hase's henchin pose mm-hmm. rather than his own. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> speaking of crying, like I didn't really cry in episode forty six, but. In episode forty-seven, just the way his actor says, uh, "Like, hey, do you know of uh, Hase?" Like, you just feel all this pain in his uh, in his voice, and it really shows how much he's grown as a person. Yeah, considering how much he left him out to dry. Yeah, <laughs> originally, I was like, "Oh, oh God, no, my heart!" Oh, breaking. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I, I did cry a bit of that, but the one that got me the most is when Gaim and Mitch. Michi Transform, sorry, into <laughs> I should I should Quarter <laughs> Michi Transform. He is and then running. He is guy, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's all he because he didn't even say did he even say Henshin? He did. Yeah. Or did he, he, he did just, he did actually, it right after him he says Henshin, but he doesn't do the thing. He just closes his eyes and does it because he doesn't need yeah. any belt to do it anymore. He's a giant golden apple now. <laughs> um, but when there there was slow mo running, like it the, at that point, just before, Michi was like, oh my god, Kota's back, Kota's back. He's like, I, like, I have to tell you everything. I have to tell you I'm so sorry about everything, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, and Kota's right, just like, right, right. oh, hey, ha- hey, why don't we take him on together? And it's just like, Kota, Kota knew what he was going to say, and his answer would have been exactly the same. It's like, I've, I've already told you, I've forgiven you, it's okay. And he says, okay, let's do this together. And, like, and he's like, oh, okay, okay, like, I'll speak to you afterwards. And then when they're running, and Kota just very, like, casually just throws him his sword. Oh. And, like, Michi catches it. And he's just a bit like, like, you entrust me to do this. And I was just like, oh, God, my heart. <laughs> it's, the, it's the greatest act of, of heroism to forgive those who betray you. And... Mm. Um, that's the main reason I was able to to uh, 
to accept that Michi was worthy of redemption because Kota never, when, when he actually attacked him in the one episode, when, when it was revealed that Michi had never been on his side, um, you could actually see Kota holding back because he didn't want to hurt him. He still he thought he pain, was worthy. Yeah. Exactly, he was in pain. And to know that he never lost hope that his friend could be redeemed, uh, that was what made me... And, and in fact, even after ascending, even after leaving him, that he still thought of him and thought, I need to do something to to make this right. That was what made me accept that, yes, he is you know, worthy of forgiveness. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so I guess just something real quick I really enjoyed about the show was that uh, you do get such a personal view of characters from both sides of things, like you get to follow the person who was betrayed, but you also get to follow the betrayer and you get to see how their connections lead to redemption for both sides. With the exception yeah. of Sid, who is beyond redemption and, uh, cherry juice. unfortunately he, yes, he became cherry juice, which is uh, delicious. Well, uh, as, as a villain, I think he ended with flying colors. I mean, it was <laughs> a great ending for a villain. He definitely flew. <laughs> that was that had to be the most brutal like death I've seen in a while. As far in, as in a, yeah. Tokusatsu series, yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It, funny story, actually. Um, I work as an English teacher here in Japan, and the week after that episode aired, um, we were teaching them about fruits oh, and vegetables, <laughs> and so you know we're doing orange and blah blah blah, and um, and then when I got to cherry. I went cherry, and they all went cherry, and I went cherry squash, and like clapped my hands, <laughs> and then all the kids were laughing, go cherry crush, cherry crush, and they were like so talking about fine. Sid, and how oh, he died, and I was like, oh my god, what have I done? Tom, what did they think of Sid as a character anyway? You you worked with kids, I mean, did, did they hate him, or? Uh, they found it hilarious that he died. Uh, <laughs> I'm more curious about as Michi, everyone. though, in that case. Uh, this is more of a subtle... It's really weird. I mean, this is this is something I wanted to, I will do eventually. Um, is talk to a bunch of kids and like ask them what they think about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like you know, ask them like the more complex parts of the show and see what they see if they even understood it. Because there's a lot about game that even even that we're going to continue discussing that Absolutely. we probably didn't know about it. Yeah. And for, you know, these four or five year olds. Um, yeah. The target audience <laughs> of the show, uh, admittedly, yes, but uh, and I'm gonna be like, what is the sexual preference of uh, Oren? <laughs> <laughs> what what is his feelings on <laughs> Takatora? What is his motivation behind helping Takatora? Yes, <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, um, since we're talking about going back a little bit and what we were talking about the show when we first saw it. Um, I have a friend who teaches English in, in uh, Tokyo also, and he mentioned to me uh, back in December uh, of last year that when the show had yet to come out, all the kids were still watching Wizard, and they were saying, oh, this looks like the dumbest show ever. This is this, this, uh, you know, so stupid. And then when Christmas time rolls around and they're, they're asking, you know, the parents are asking, what do you want for Christmas? Lock seeds, lock seeds, lock seeds. So just amazing how the show can turn around and sell this, this stuff to it just by, you know, the storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, the mm-hmm. toys themselves, the lock seeds are so nice to have. I don't know if it's just an, an impression, but I think as a toy, as an, as just as that's a thing, they're quite effective as toys. I mean, quite, I you you do want to collect them; they look nice. 
the fact that they're locks. I, I, I'm, I don't know. There's something that that is really appealing about them. Yeah, I love them. Obviously. A lot of functionality. <laughs> I used to play with locks when I was a kid. Padlocks for some reason. It's just a stupid little thing that I did, but I thought padlocks were the coolest thing. I guess other kids do too, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think anyone's gone to that that bridge in France, that bridge in Paris, where you can put uh, <laughs> like locks on the bridge? Do you think anyone's put a lock seat on there? I hope so. Oh, I hope so. If not, if you live in Paris, can you please do it? Yes. Tokusatsu Network is requesting this. Send us pictures of this, please. Put, please yes, yes. Place a lock. <laughs> Although it's quite easy to break, so perhaps glue it. You can get one of the lock seed locks. Oh like yeah, yeah. Locks. Oh yeah. I actually have some of those, so so yeah, those so are you fantastic. Should fly, to, you should fly to France, do it, take a picture, and send it to us. Sounds it'll, lovely. It'll be worth the price. Oh yes. <laughs> so, right, um, so we 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 talked about the beginning and the end. Um, uh, so <laughs> we should probably focus on the second art of when the energy riders turned up, because that was the major tipping point. That's when I started watching. Okay, so uh, I've got a question. When when y'all found out that there would be three new writers, even if you liked Gaim by this point, did you think the show would be able to handle that many characters very well? Are you talking about the energy writers? Yeah. Yes. The four new writers. Oh, three. 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 Oh, yeah. Characters, character-wise. Yes, 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 sorry. I was worried. Um, I'll say that. <laughs> Just because there was already so oh, many yeah. characters in the first place. Well, yeah, I was pretty sure they had... I was pretty we sure there were going to be antagonists. And we, <laughs> one, at a, one at a time, people, one at a time. <laughs> it's, so, it's, yeah. it's so funny because the Skype little window, uh, you know, flashes and they just flash at the same time. <laughs> After you, please, Tom. Uh, I've already forgotten. Um, yeah, because there were several points throughout the show that we had more riders than episodes. Um, which was really interesting. <laughs> You're right. Um, and by the the point of the energy riders were going to turn up, I think when the, the first magazine scans came out was episode oh, no. eleven or ten. Oh, um, so we already had like three riders, four riders, five, six, seven. Yeah, so we actually had more riders at that point that we knew were coming by episode eleven than there were actual episodes. But, but nobody I, knew who was who. Did did they? I mean, nobody knew who was who at that point, right? When they appeared. That's right. No, we only knew it until the movie. Mm. Um, right at the end of the movie, where you saw them in Helheim Forest and they transformed. That was like the first we got to actually see of them. Right. Um, I want to take a moment actually to talk about this is something very interesting that I only discovered recently in a Japanese lesson. People were saying, why, why have we got these soda? Like we've we've got fruits and nuts, and now we've got a soft drink. Like, how does this make any sense? Um, and in, it's not even juice. It's not fruit juice. It's not like orange juice or you know, peach juice. It's orange soda, <clears throat> which to Western standards, that's a soda drink. That's not juice at all. But I only found out recently that to Japanese, soda drinks count as juice. Wow. Oh. oh. Doesn't no, that change wait, everything? Wait, wait. Life I makes mean, sense. The, the now. word, the word. You call <laughs> you see, any th- any soft drink you call you call juice. I mean that that's yeah. No. Yeah. Wow. No, that's see, no, and I that includes the... soda drinks. I thought the symbol. I was, like, I was saying. To, uh, 
Yeah, I was talking to my teacher and I was like, no, that's, that can't be right. Soda is completely different. She's like, nope, we consider it's all technically so, juice. So, 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 juice, juice, mina juice, zimbo juice. That explains yeah. why the melon soda is, is, you know, it's it's a melon juice, but it's actually a soda. But see, I actually thought it had to do with, and, and maybe it does actually, the, the, the symbolism of it being, you know, the original uh, uh, driver that they use, the Sengoku driver, uh, uses the actual Helheim fruits. Uh, and of course, the, the Helheim fruits do have still have a, a slight effect on you when you're using it. You can use it to eat. You can use it to, you know, replace the need to eat normal food. And then we have Yggdrasil come in with uh, the energy belts, the Genesis driver, which symbolizes the artificial version of it. Because none of those fruits are actual fruits; they are the artificial, mass-produced versions mm-hmm. of uh, of those, meant for the consumption and usage of the chosen elite of Yggdrasil. Yeah, I did think, I remember at the time just thinking like, where are these Loxies from? Are they just picked off, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. are they taken from anywhere? But like, because I had to obtain them by beating every single one of them. Yeah. So that kind of made sense. But there, it was, it was strange because at points in the show, Korta or somebody else would pick something like pick one of the fruits, and then it would turn into a lock seed. But the regular ones, and like the those are the regular sunflower ones. seed, lock seed, or the yeah. But like he would pick one, and then it would be because like, I think it was episode two or three. Like Kaito was like, "I'm in the forest picking all these lock seeds," and he's like, "Oh, class D, yeah," and throws it away. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's trying to find all the really good ones, but that at times uh, you could just pick up the regular seeds and then they wouldn't turn into lock seeds? Did you need to have the driver on? You had to have it on your position. I guess, yeah, it was that, the driver. That was one of the things they discovered is is Michi hands the driver to Kota to hold, picks it, and it stays a fruit and he can bag it and and hang on to it. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just thought, this is a random thought I had the other day of like, at what point when you start trying to think about how all the powers work, <laughs> is when Ryder starts to fall apart. So. <laughs> that was just a thought I was having. But. As far as this consistency goes, this show works a lot better with fruits than other shows. There's some that I wish that he, they would have used more. I wish that uh, Kiwi got more usage, personally. I always thought that, <sighs> that was ugly. Kiwi was a cool... Yeah, that yeah. was a waste. Yeah. Um, well, he never even got lemon energy, did he? No, he never got melon energy, Kota. No, he no. never did. No. no, He never did, because people were Gemma like, melon? Oh, he... Ah, yeah. yeah, you're right, you never did Jimbo Melon. That's right. Maybe it's going to be in the movie, I don't know. They actually have a toy for it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the the toy can, uh... You can just well, the arms flip around. Change, yeah. yeah. It can show all the... And they have like particular powers, right? The, Each the one has a particular let, power. It, let, let, let them like enhance his senses. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Pete, cherry... so he was kind of tel- a telepath. Cherry gave him super speed. Lemon gave him what's it? What I think it's just. I think it's special. No, it was, it was balance. Uh, it's a balance. Yeah, thing. it's a balance form, right? Yeah, like you oh, think melon is like super the... defense, maybe. That's what I figured. I figured it probably yeah, is the, melon the shield. Yeah. They reminded me of the cougar forms, and I smiled a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, now I kind of do want to see um, a Jimba Pinecone. Uh, uh, 
That would be like the armored thing. Uh, You're breaking my heart. Something I must say is that people haven't watched the soccer movie yet because that's not out yet. Nope. And <laughs> spoilers: the energy rider pine cone one. Um, <laughs> the there, there is no explanation about it or no, anything. There's no, no difference whatsoever. It's just in the movie. I think just because, like, if I was working on the show, if I was an actor and I was one of the side characters, I would spend every single day looking at all these people <laughs> getting belts and getting their own rider forms and being like, "Come on, please, give me, give me a rider form, please, <laughs> give me a rider form, give me a rider form." And I can imagine in the movie they just went, "Okay." <laughs> like, now you get to be a rider. Yes. Well, I mean, the, the, the only Take difference anything. is that the Lock has this, this uh, you know, translucent uh, blue sparkly body, yeah. and the pine cone opens it, uh, down the middle. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh. And uh, actually, speaking about the movie, um, some people were saying that the the fight in episode forty-seven they weren't particularly happy with, like the final fight between Gaim. Uh, uh, Gaiman uh, Jam uh, where they're all running and shooting each other mm-hmm. yeah um, the, in the movie like the penultimate fight um, is with Mars and Gaim on horses like running side by side shooting each other oh. so that fight is basically a reference to the that final oh. movie fight but a lot of because people haven't seen the movie they didn't they didn't realise it and I saw people complain about it, but I watched it and was like, oh, that's from the movie. Yeah, why just they doing complain it. about it? The, the, the horse fight was very well done. I mean, I was surprised, actually. Well, even here, mm-hmm. it looks so, really cool. Like, why would they complain about it? I think people were just expecting something else. I don't know. But, I mean, we already had the huge fight. Yeah. Um, like, two episodes before. I also and... don't think people were too pleased with the the, the actress, who I understand is a new actress uh, uh, that they were <laughs> trying the out. Yes. Cooney, Cooney, do the laugh. Maybe in time, maybe in time. I mean, we all know that, that people who appear on Rider as extras or, or just as one-off characters tend to show up again later, so maybe in time she'll she'll return and, and won't do the, the laugh anymore. God, I hope not. One day, lads. One day, lads. <laughs> <laughs> this guy... This guy here. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'm just waiting every day. Every day I'm just speaking to the staff. Like, oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Do you want to be an evil writer? Uh, I would like to be an evil writer. That would be the most fun in the world. You'd be you just get to be evil and beat everybody up. It's great. <laughs> but uh, going back to yeah, people complain about her acting. Um People who complain about that, have they never watched Tokusatsu before? <laughs> there is some terrible, terrible acting in the show. Yeah. Like, Kaito at points is just awful in Guy. His yeah, faces yeah. are horrible. Like, it's like, like I'm acting. Well, those murderous yeah. eyes I did like, though, the murderous eyes Kaito made. But in yeah, general, like, he was really hammy. My favorite I think, uh, what, picture, by the way, is him uh, glaring at the camera, and it just says "ow the edge" on it. <laughs> I love that picture. I think because the show's in Japanese, um, people don't understand it. Obviously, they're just watching it with subtitles. Um, the acting tends to go over their heads; like they don't comprehend what's good acting yeah. or what's bad acting. Yeah. Like they can tell probably like the end spectrums. They can tell if something's really, really good, and they can tell if something's really, really bad, but they can't really tell the middle parts. 
And, you know, there is good reason why a lot of these actors who do tokusatsu don't actually go on to do anything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sadly, not that good. Sadly, that is so true. I, I really do wish more people would understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Yeah, the, um... Because... Uh, the, basically, the internet had no... Well, the English internet had no idea how... how how often uh, the blade cast was ridiculed until like last year? <laughs> oh God, yeah, uh, that was geez, so bad. they were terrible. It's yeah, so yeah, funny terrible. rewatching it now. I mean, those first—I mean, people quote it as like, oh, the first ten episodes are bad. <laughs> really, I—I I think the first twenty episodes are really bad. Like the acting is just atrocious. No, and I—I I, I, I had to champion through those episodes to actually. <laughs> It's start enjoying the series because I mean the the series the, the plot itself didn't pick up until after thirteen episodes. Or so. mm. It, mm. It's... What, what was the? I, I believe Kevin's probably gonna know this. What's the language? This is what Two Chan had dubbed it because the, the the dialogue was so badly spoken by one of the actors. Really? Oh, I, um, I, I they heard... actually named it a particular language and said that he was from the planet. <laughs> I've heard that before, but unfortunately, I can't remember that. We're gonna was, have to. Wasn't it like Rondolisham or something? Yo, if I'm mistaken, is that thing I did just ago, a moment ago? Kenzaki uh, complaining about Tachibana-san in the first episode. I mean, the, the actual line is Tachibana-san, honto ni uragittan desu ka? That's the actual line. Tachibana-san, did you really betray us? Yes. But what he ends up saying is Tachibana-san. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is like you're gonna. There's a line that Chalice says that like, oh, like, but sort of cross or something. Like, I, I'm gonna kill you. But the way that he says it is like, and it ends. And if you translate that, it ends up being something ridiculous as well. Are you serious? Like, it's it's something that doesn't sound like I'm gonna kill you. It sounds like something completely different. So, but I, there is an entire Japanese wiki devoted to every time there's a bad line, and you think it's only a few, but it's like thirty or forty lines, and it's got every single episode and who's it said by. So, um, and, um, did was it just like a case of a really bad cast, or did they? Somehow miraculously cast an entire show with people with uh, speech impediments. <laughs> oh. Who directed it? Let's see who directed I think... it. It may, it may play uh, a big part. I think maybe at the time the audio equipment probably didn't help, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's mostly down to the cast, which is a shame because the cast themselves love Blade, and recently they did a 10 year anniversary Blade like talk. Yeah. Which I think you can yeah, find on the Toy together. Channel on YouTube. They got together and they're all chatty and like they obviously already loved working on Blade, because um, um, uh, what's his name in in Blade? He turned up again in Forza. Uh, Amano. Yeah, but what's his name Amane? in Blade? Uh, Tachibana. Tachibana, Tachibana, that's it, it's Tachibana. He's in Forza, and so he obviously enjoyed Razor enough to come back and do another show of it. And when they did the net movies, he changes into Garen. And they do make a joke about the, the alien language that they speak. <laughs> oh my God. I, I think there are some directors... Like, that's, that... how, that's how much of an impact like, that they actually put it in the show. There are some directors and actors out there who I think feel that because they're on a children's show, if they don't have their characters say, I am being evil right now, that 
children are not going to to understand this, but uh, uh, I, I am pleased that they kind of kept it under control in, in Gaim for the most part. But uh, um, you know, there there are times when uh, Sid and uh, uh, Kaito certainly were. Uh, glaring at scenery and and uh, knock, <laughs> knocking over plastic chairs and those poor plastic <laughs> yeah, chairs. Yeah, they were the obvious. I mean, that's why I think uh, Michi was still had popularity with children. The mm. fact that they didn't really, they couldn't really tell if he was evil or not. Mm. Well, to be honest, half the time, even with the adults watching it, it was hard to tell <laughs> because it's like, is he doing this because he's trying to save everybody? Is this like a secret plan? Is he just uh, is he is he actually betraying Sid at one point? <laughs> so you couldn't tell if he was actually being good or bad. And v- right from the beginning, it's like what episode two, episode three. He's he's like speaking to Sid, and he's like, "Can everyone leave the room, please?" Like, <laughs> he's like you work for my brother. <laughs> so, like. If you know, one day I'm going to become big and powerful in that company, and I'm going to fucking murder you. <laughs> Give me one of those belts. It's like holy shit. <laughs> like, no, holy and his hair, crap. his hair changed so gradually that I didn't realize. Mm. He was becoming more and more like Takatora's hair. That's exactly and, right. Ah, Did you notice that nobody cut their notice. hair during the series? <laughs> mm. okay. But they did have a lot of costume changes. Yes. This is uh, this was very important. I realized. Well, I mean, the transition Kota of him becoming his brother and Takatora going to the good side. Yes. Yeah. yeah, like he originally was, you know, as the beat rider, like um, in the Gaim kind of uh, jackets. And then when he was being evil, he started to dress slowly more and more and more like his brother, mm-hmm. until the point that basically he was, you know, was planning to kill his brother. And then afterwards, you know, he was even in his brother's office. And, wearing a suit, uh, yeah. Stole his hair. his hair like him. <laughs> his hair, yeah. His freaking hair was like him. Um, and Koto as well. He went through the, the the same kind of transition that he was jumping back and between different kind of costumes depending what was happening. And eventually, he ended up with that like leather jacket, the sex jacket. <laughs> That's what they called it on the internet, actually. And there's yep. a there's a there's a continuing debate about whether or not he and Mai actually got together. There's the one scene where he tells her everything about what's happened, and and this is one of the the, the major turning point episodes. And it's a night scene, and which they hardly ever do in Tokusatsu shows. And uh, so they they have this big tearful scene, and then the next day he comes into Drupers, all cheerful. And he's wearing this oh. new jacket, and that's why people on the internet call it the sex jacket because there's some debate. Did, did oh they do it? I wouldn't be surprised if that's canon. <laughs> I mean, if some if someone novel no 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 without joking, if someone novelized it and it turned out that they 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 had sex, that would be quite reasonable. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's not like this is the first time they haven't implied characters having sex. I mean, in double. With um, the weather dopant and like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Sayako. Like he was, there were some scenes that I was watching. I was no, like, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, there God, this is like this yeah. is eight p.m. <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Like, there was a bit where she's lying on the table. Yes, yes. Well, that oh, was yeah. well suggested. I mean, that was quite well managed, actually. <laughs> the, I mean, the kids that, may have just said, "Oh, they went for a dinner, and then they're just sitting right after dinner because you feel like." Yeah. yeah uh, there were points where she was in semi-revealing clothes and like in a bedroom, like 
I mean, the way she the way she uses an Asuka dope and memory is like, <sighs> yeah, oh, showing her this. left boob. Oh, it was mm, that was an interesting one, and of course you know, um, uh, Axel got married at the end, and like the first scene of the uh, the V Cinema is the wife waking up in the bed. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, well, you know, I guess so. And he's making her a nice breakfast. Well, that one was made more for adult fans, right? The mm. oh yeah, definitely. Police brutality, the movie basically. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I did. I, we were, I was with some uh, muggle friends and I was trying to introduce them to some of uh, Sakamoto's stuff and we watched Akatai Pink which they really enjoyed um, which is, is surprisingly good actually I, I was I was expecting it not to be because by the looks of the trailer it doesn't it just looks like it's kind of like Fetish. girl on girl fighting but it's actually really enjoyable and the fight scenes were fantastic and then uh, watched Innocent Lilies which is also quite fun and then I was saying, oh, which one do you want to watch next? And I said, let's give them the opportunity. Do you want to watch this Excel movie? Or do you want to watch the Eternal movie? Mm. And they were like, are, are these kid shows? And I was like, they're from kid shows, but these ones are just for adult fans. Um, you should have just struck down the question like, right away. Yeah, and I'm the Eternal movie, there, there was some very questionable stuff that happens in that. I mean, in the first five minutes of watching now? about... Yeah, we're watching this woman get shot to death and then brought back to life by like giving injecting her with a drug. Yeah, I mean it's like this the is... like the space sheriff movies. Yes, oh, which still, I mean, are it's... out next week, I believe. Uh, yeah, whatever time this podcast comes out, it could be out by then. But that is specifically, and they said this, it is for adult fans. Yeah, and the first yeah. two minutes of the Shadow Van movie, um, there's a. It's like a, a news report, and they're showing. Uh, oh yeah, terrorists. I remember now. Yeah, it's so gory. Yeah, it, yeah this <laughs> they're showing these terrorists like sent a video in going, "Oh, we've we've produced this new drug, Hyper M. Is it called? Hyper if I remember correctly, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, look, we're going to show you how to use it," and they inject this like random dude that they've got captured hostage, and then shoot him, and he proceeds to spew up loads of blood. <sighs> Wow. I mean, the actual and... shots, you can see the bullets going through him. I mean, and the blood going, I mean, splattering around its... Dang. Yeah, and then, he go, and then he goes, like, rampaging and beating everybody up. And Sakamoto yeah. said and... it. He, he, he was glad that he had the opportunity to do things that you could not do with a theatrical release or with a TV release. Yeah, they said, like, if this had been TV, they could have never done what they did in this mm-hmm. movie. But for the, the cinema stuff, it's... If you want to see more of it, buy it. Um, have Have they said Please what buy. like the aim of the movies are? Um, I know the Gavin movie didn't do very well. So, what was the the driving force behind these two? They wanted to continue doing Metal Heroes, but obviously because of the sales of the Gavin movie, weren't that great. Um, this is a bit more low key, which is why they're the cinemas. Um, but if these do well, which I really hope they do because they yeah, are very, yeah. very fun movies. Yes. They're really good. Even if you've never watched Space Sheriff before, um, they're they really work as standalone movies. Good. Yeah, they're great to pick up. Um, if they do well, they will be making more. Cool. But what it will be, we don't know. I'm going to kind of segue us back into Gaim here uh, by <laughs> oh, way yeah. of what you said. <laughs> yeah. Um, since we've talked about a little uh, about uh, uh, kind of extra properties here. 
um, let's go to the Kikaider episode. Uh, which some people say, oh, why? I don't know. But uh, did you feel it was too disruptive, or did you, did, did you enjoy the episode? I had forgotten there was something. Actually, can, 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 can me, me and Cooney will talk afterwards, because we got to see the movie, and nobody else has, so I want to hear what everybody else is opinions <laughs> yeah, 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 are first. Right, so my problem was that it came after a really crazy cliffhanger. Yeah. We had a crazy cliffhanger, and then it said next week, and we just see Kikaider cooking. And it's like, <laughs> and then the next episode it picks up right where the like it, it left off two episodes ago, to the point where like my friend is watch was watching the show like he was sort of marathoning it. I told him to skip that episode just because that freaking cliffhanger. And if it didn't have that cliffhanger, I think I'd be a little more okay with it. Um. But was, why didn't Ryoma bad. Sengoku leave his brain in, in Hakaider? He could have killed Gaim easy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, it, I think it was more the placement of that episode. That's what bugged me more than anything. This Takatora falls off a cliff, and suddenly we have Kikaider. Exactly. <laughs> but that's when Ryoma jumped the shark for me. I mean, putting his brain in Hakaider. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I love his actor, though. He, If you listen to... The, if you're watching in subtitles, you can't really uh, get a feel for this yeah. because they can't translate it. But the way he talks, he strings together so many thoughts, and it's just one constant stream of uh, of consciousness. Really, he just talks. Any thought that comes in his head comes mm-hmm. out of his mouth. I love the character. Yeah, I think he was delightfully, and you never knew what side he was on. He was on his own side. He was on the side of science. <laughs> what What I loved about his acting, yeah, I loved about his acting, especially like after, like basically, you know. He sort of left uh, Yggdrasil. There was this thing where he was just very like upbeat and very like he was very playful with like what he was doing, and he was not answering questions very straightforward. And he was sort of like if you didn't read the subtitles, it almost sounded like he was rambling off a little the way he was talking. And I don't know, just the way he was acting, it was, it was really well done. Was, I wasn't fond of his acting in uh, season three of Garo, but in this one. He just—he was amazing. I love it. Um, yeah, just going back to the stream of consciousness thing real quick. Uh, I think it was episode thirty-eight or thirty-nine when they're trying to sneak into Yggdrasil. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't really understand Japanese, there's this moment where he's explaining how everything's his fault, where like you can really get how he's just saying whatever the hell is coming out of uh, coming to his mind. <laughs> mm. So, if the Kakaida episode had not been on that cliffhanger note, do you think you guys would have enjoyed it more? Um, I'm going to answer that by um, Ingo Busters. I did, okay, I, everybody knows what I'm going to talk about here. I didn't like the Gavin episode of Go Busters. I love oh. Gavin, but he doesn't have a pl- he doesn't have a place in Go Busters, unfortunately. Um, I thought it was jarring to have that in there. In Gaim... This actually upset me less to have Kikaider in there, but it, he was completely out of mind once the end of the episode came, and I didn't find myself wondering at any time. Gee, I sure hope Kikaider is okay after the, the, the botanical apocalypse hits. <laughs> I didn't, actually didn't even think about the fact that he would exist in this world with the, or the Tokugers. In fact, oh, well, <laughs> what's going on with them? <laughs> They're fine. They have imagination. They hopped in on a train and went to the next station. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, they, um, they don't care anymore. <laughs> I, for me, I didn't mind the Kakaider episode so much because I thought it was pretty solid. It was fun. It was. It did take us away from the main plot for a little bit, but it was a solid episode. The one I really, really disliked was the movie tie-in, the soccer episode, because oh, yeah. that came at the end of a major, major cliffhanger, and the episode itself was <laughs> they all <did>. bad. <laughs> That was when Takatora lost the fight to Michi. Right, and it yes. ends with uh, Kota yeah. running to the to the scene of the fight. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, 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 Kaito has been infected, and he's probably dying, maybe. And suddenly, we go to the world where everybody plays soccer, and uh, uh, they shouldn't have put those many plot, uh, uh, you know. Revelations or whatever in that episode, an Italian episode with as many revelations as that, it, it, it wouldn't have worked as it didn't. So, this is a good point for me and Cooney to discuss slightly about the Kikaida movie. Um, so, the Kikaida episode is by far the best thing about the Kikaida movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, not seriously, seriously. I, he's not exa- not exaggerating. He's. I mean, the, there is a, a a tone in that that the Kikaido episode follows that is acceptable uh, as a character is. But then you have the movie. I, you know, Tom. I think we should have them just watch the movie. It's coming out. Prob- I mean, sooner than I, I. I mean, I don't know what how soon it's going coming going to come out, but. It's, it's getting an some... airing this mm-hmm. week or next week in uh, Hawaii mm-hmm. because they have a, you know, uh, 40 years ago or whatever it was, uh, it got aired there. And so there's quite a big cult following. So they're getting a special cinema release. That's we should probably, to Hawaii. We should probably um, talk about that after that. So <laughs> Yeah. So I have seen people and they say that they're really excited <laughs> and I hate to be the one to squash it for them. But <laughs> if you enjoyed, come right the next. Um, you still probably <laughs> won't enjoy Kikaida. Kikaida fan scash. This is how bad this film was. That after the film, we went as a group of all foreigners. And we went out of the cinema and we were just standing there talking. And some Japanese guy came up to us and said, Oh, uh, like in very broken Japanese, uh, English. Uh, what did you think of the film? And we were like, uh, uh, and then in perfect English went, it was well shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was really surreal. Uh-huh. I was just like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I would like people to watch the Kakaida movie and then go back and watch the Gaim episode. Compare. I think you'll have a much better enjoyable experience experience you'll see you'll see yeah the the, the the worth of the episode in comparison and maybe your opinion mm. can will change a bit about how it i mean it may may not work in game but as kikaida it works better than the movie yeah this might be good for a future episode actually yes yeah, yeah. all right so that's so done the tie in um let's see how about the educational portion of our program? <laughs> so, uh, I- I'm going to nerd out on you guys for just a second, but oh. did you know, and our viewers out here are probably like, I know that, but did you know that 
the Latin word for orange was originally golden apple. Greek also. Several cultures use this. Did I blow your mind? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But um, I've actually been... That, remember. I know, I know. I've actually been doing uh, some research into this. Of course, we have the religious motifs in there, and I, I told everybody I wanted to talk about this, but of course we have the obvious Adam and Eve, the fruit of knowledge, eating it uh, uh, grants you knowledge of good and evil, and you get cast out of paradise when you eat it. But there's also a really great story, and it's kind of interesting how I was actually talking about this, how different cultures have uh, that had no contact with each other, uh, no way of communicating with each other, but have this shared mythology about fruit uh, in their cultures. And I really think Urubu... Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. This is one person Uribuch. we wanted. Urubuchi. Urubuchi. I think he's he killed him. I think Urubuchi killed him. One of his ninjas came. Oh, no. Urubuchi. Oh, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, Kevin. Just repeat that sentence and we'll cut this better. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, just cut. The second ninjas have seen it. Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Kevin is on. And then there was silence. Oh, and then there was silence. Um, what a twist. <laughs> Should we do a Holden music? Yeah, so this Hold would be a, good, a really good time for a Spanish, Spanish fleet. Flight, Spanish yeah, yeah um, we used to play this well, all the I time. Was... <laughs> and it's, it's like... I like the girl of your banana more. I mean... Um, I'm, I'm gonna get a drink. Okay. Oh, awesome. Okay. We're still putting that song in. Yeah, we're still putting it in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, no, 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 no. You want to sync up real quick? I am. Hello? Kevin? Kevin? <laughs> oh, God. Not again. Kevin, oh. come on, man. Come back to us. Come on. Come, come on. Stay away from the light, man. Come on. Come on. We need you here. <laughs> come on, bud. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. Don't be a heathen, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, okay, good. Okay, I, I've been really impressed over this past. I, I am a, uh, I have an interest in in culture and mythology, and, and I've been particularly fascinated with how Urubuchi has paid attention to the mythologies of different cultures um particularly every culture has even though they had no contact with each other during this time and no way to have contact with each other every culture seems to have developed independently a fruit myth um and all of these seem to actually come into play in the show um for example did you know that orange is in several cultures including greek and uh uh, Latin, they didn't have a word for orange because it was, you know, a fruit from the outside. It was an invading organism. Uh, so they called it a golden apple. Did that blow your mind? I know. Oh, yeah. That's oh, invasive. Right. <laughs> Inva right? right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. But um, well, some of the stories I think are really interesting, particularly with regards to this. Of course, everybody, you know, pretty much catches on the, the Adam and Eve uh, mythology. Uh, the fruit of knowledge, you know, you eat the fruit of knowledge and you understand good and evil, but you are no longer able to stay in paradise and, and you get kicked out. And you have to I think that was the most that. transparent of them all, the motives. Definitely. Mm. Um, 
In Greek mythology, though, uh, there is a story of the apples of discord. And the whole story is that Eris, the goddess of discord, wrote... Uh, she didn't get invited to this party that all of the cool gods on Mount Olympus got invited to. All the cool goddesses got to go to this big party, and she didn't get invited. Uh, so she wrote, for the fairest, on a golden apple, Callisti, uh, and tossed it into the middle of all of the goddesses. Naturally, all the goddesses seeing for the fairest on there say, oh, that's mine. And uh, so this started the uh, huge fight between the different uh, deities, and eventually spilled over into the Trojan War, uh, leading to uh, battle on Earth, uh, devastating ancient Greece at the time. So the, the parallel of that is kind of there. There's also other things, too, like uh, in, in Greece, uh, the myth of Persephone. If you eat the seeds of a pomegranate uh, while you are in the underworld, uh, while you're in Tartarus, as it were, uh, you are no longer able to return to, to the human world. You must stay in Tartarus with Hades forever. Unless a hero descends into there and comes and gets you and takes you out. Um, and that I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, uh, Kevin, but I got reminded of I did a translation of the scans for the Yomotsuheguri log seed that Michi had. The Yomotsuheguri is uh, a myth in the Shinto mythology that has the exact same mechanic. If you eat uh, rice cooked in one of the pots uh, forged in the underworld, you are not able to leave, and that's what happened to Izanagi. And the only way she could come out was for Izanami to come and rescue her. We're talking about Japanese uh, mythology. And Greek mythology, which had no communication with each exactly, other. That's, exactly. That's amazing how, how culture like that works. Um, in Celtic mythology, um, the, the fair folk, the fairies, um, if you go to their, their realm and you eat the food there you also cannot leave their, their realm. And it continued eating of the food over the time makes you more like them, which is kind of a parallel of the Inves. If you, if you eat the fruit, you become, you become like them. Inves. You can't leave. Um, in China, actually, now that I think back about it, uh, there are uh, peaches and also pears. There's different stories. Uh, but the fruit is the fruit of immortality, and the deities all eat the fruit of immortality, and that's how they stay young and beautiful. Uh, they wouldn't give Sun Wukong, uh, a.k.a. Sun Goku, uh, not the you know the Super Saiyan one, but the Monkey King. They wouldn't give him any of them, so he, he got pissed off and went and uprooted the tree, so now nobody can have them. And uh, Norse mythology, which uh, everyone kind of thought they were going for a, a Norse thing at the beginning, because Helheim uh, and Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil being the world tree in Norse mythology, um... Uh, Idun is the I probably butchered that pronunciation sorry about that to all of our, our, our uh, uh, Scandinavian listeners out there but uh, the apples fitness. yeah uh, the apples in North mythology uh, you keep the it keeps the gods young well Loki being the jerk that he is stole them and all of the gods started to grow old and uh, it led to a huge battle so every culture has this myth about fruit leading to Conflict, suffering, and uh, war uh, on planet Earth. It's kind of interesting how they did it. The more you know. <laughs> yes, the more you know. And that concludes the educational portion of our program. Now back to spandex bug men kicking people in the face. But what about the fruit samurai? What about them people? <laughs> <laughs>
What about them? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> actually, I, I wanted to ask Kevin a question real quick. Okay. Uh, what do you think it is about the fruits that inspires that, um, I guess, that sense of battle? Mm, probably because it's a commodity that you can only get it during certain times of the year. You have to cultivate it. You have to gather it. It takes effort to do it. Um, it fruit is, is quite sweet. rich as well. You know, Absolutely. You, you know, regular people wouldn't be eating fruit. Yeah. But there's also a lot of plants out there that look like fruit, but aren't fruit. And if you eat these things that look like berries, they're poisonous and you die. So I think that part of this is, is going to be something about them. Uh, there are cautionary tales in many cultures about making sure that you're eating the proper fruit. If you don't eat the bright fruit, you die. Think of it as a, a, a metaphor or a fairy tale uh, designed to teach people safety. Um, of course, we also have DJ Sagara. Let's talk a bit about him. Uh, he is your your uh, outside force who kind of uh, provokes everybody into doing this. He's the person that tosses the golden apple into the mix and starts the fight. Well, in the movie, in the soccer movie, he is referenced directly as the snake, which was mm -hmm. the first time he is referenced as the snake uh, in the sh like before the show itself. Uh, which I thought was quite interesting because act they actually talk like refer to him. I think it's Mars calls him the snake, Cooney. Uh, but uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Lapis actually saw him, and he's the snake. Like, yeah. Like you know, realizing oh, it's the snake, the snake I have seen in the past. Yeah, and because uh, spoilers, overlords, um, he knew what he was, uh, so. Yeah, it was kind of interesting that they didn't, like, how late they revealed it. I mean, even, like, his uh, his special effect, that when he kind of, like, came onto screen, it was, he was, like, ruffled around like a snake. Like, mm. there was loads of, like, little inklings towards mm -hmm. that being true, but it's just they funny. They actually that had they one episode with him transforming. Mm, there was a serpent in one episode, and he transformed. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that now. Yeah, he appears. That's how he passes between Helheim and and really? the Earth realm. Is that he? Yeah, he actually comes in in the form of a snake in one episode. He goes and he talks to the overlords. I don't remember which one this was, but uh, yeah, he comes in as a serpent, and uh, he comes out in his "I'm the serpent" clothes. You remember he has the the, the kind of the hood mm -hmm. around his face. Yeah, that's oh. when he was doing the holographic version. Yeah. Did you see that coming, though? Sagara turning out to no. be Hilheim itself. Not even a no, little No, not Hilheim. No. <laughs> Maybe a creation of it, but not, like, the forest itself. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite, quite, uh, unpredictable. Yeah, when I first saw him, I thought he would be, like, the head of Yagdrasa. Like, he would be above Takatora as, like, the head of the company. Because like, we we only saw him as the DJ, like you know, doing the commentary. But then, as soon as you first saw him talking to Sid and Takatora in the office, like through the screen, I thought maybe he was just like the owner of the company, but he was just very laid back and like used this as entertainment. Mm, I see, I see. Yeah, he's kind of interesting because when when we talk about the Hellheim Forest, it's it's like an infection that's in. Like spreading and cracking out into the world, and they're constantly trying to stop it from, you know, infecting our world and getting destroyed. But the way that, because then when you discover that Sagara is 
the Helheim forest itself, it kind of changes the perspective on it a bit. That it's not so much as it's an infection, it's more like a battlefield that's kind of spilling out. In a sense. Yeah, some of the evil that you sensed in the forest like gets it disappears, right? It, it gets more like an immoral kind of facilitator role. Yeah, it's like he, he's making it happen, but he's not actually. He's you know it's, he's, it's he's a biological imperative rather than rather than evil. That's uh, He's not willful. Mm. Yeah, he's not willfully doing evil for the sake of evil. It's not that he takes pleasure in doing it. It's just. It's his existence. It's the biological nature. imperative of all. Yeah, all uh, 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 natural creatures. That one of their primary things is to uh, to actually reproduce themselves, and so that's what he's doing. And at the same time, it's kind of interesting. At the, one of his very last lines uh, before Kota and Mai depart the Earth, he actually quotes directly from. Uh, the Japanese translation of the Bible. He actually uses a quote directly from uh, the book of Genesis, and it's, be fruitful and multiply and spread your numbers upon the earth. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, going back to the the idea that he's not being um, malevolent in any of this, I think it kind of falls short when you see the, the sort of colorful personality they gave the character. Mm. Like, it, it's very hard for me to to see it as just nature taking its course when the character very much seems to enjoy everything that's going on. Mm. It's a matter of temptation, right? It's it's not... It doesn't seem to like revel in the people dying or anything. He, I think he revels in the idea of evolution and that people becoming more than they can. And he, as we keep saying, he's basically a facilitator of it happening and that's all he wants. I mean... With Korta, he kind of recognizes that Korta can do things that other people can't, or that he's like a special kind of personality, and he thinks that he will be able to obtain the fruit. And so he keeps him helping him along the way, giving him like extra bits of upgrades and telling him to go here and do this. And it's really interesting because I don't think anyone would have won. I think humanity itself would have lost if Korda hadn't been there. Because the, the the energy riders were trying to desperately look for the golden fruit, but as evident by Sid, like, <laughs> getting completely powerless against uh, the overlords. I don't think they ever would have won. And I, I suspect he's looking for somebody who doesn't want the, the fruit for their own personal usage. The Yggdrasil people wanted the fruit because they wanted to remake Earth in their own image. But it's not what... When they looked at all the other characters, it came down to a choice of two people who wanted to remake the Earth in their image. And that uh, uh, eventually came... And that happens in nature, too. You have two uh, uh, organisms uh, that have an equal chance of... Uh, of being the next thing in the evolutionary stage, and one of them evolves and one of them dies. It's because of limited resources. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, begs the question of what happened to the Overlord's planet? Yeah. Like, because it's kind of implied that every, like, the Hellheim Forest basically took over and they managed to get the, the golden fruit, 
but by that point it was far too late. Everybody was already dead, everything was already in ruins, and it was just like, what's the point? There was nothing really they could do. Hmm. But there was this thing which was made quite uh, clear in the movie about, uh, well, the existence of this artificial... Uh, I'm spoiling the movie, by the way. Can I spoil the movie? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Kogane is uh, the villain, Mars, is an artificial uh, fruit of uh, wisdom created by the overlords. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, got sentience and started, you know, wanting more power. But uh, one of the things that Lapis did, and one of the motivations that he had for, for you know, interfering in, in the world of what was happening with Helheim, was that he was protecting each of the surviving overlords with one of the main characters in this in this conflict. Uh, Roshuo was uh, Baron, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kaito. No, no, no. Uh, what's, who, what's the name of the red one? Demushu. Demishu. Thank you. Demushu, Demushu was Kaito, Roshu was Takatora, and Dedue was uh, Mitsuzane. And uh, Lapis, as, a, as an overlord himself, uh, projected himself into Kota. And so how the conflict started. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what was the stage of Helheim invasion in the, in the overlord world, but part of, the, of their demise was that they started fighting each other. When, they, when, this, uh, when the knowledge of the Fruit of Wisdom came about and this uh, artificial came where Fruit of Wisdom started going berserk. Though I don't know how they articulated it into the series or if it was even mentioned. But it was not, but what they made clear is it was not only Helheim invading, it was infighting and the lust for power that what, what brought the, the Femushimu uh, down. Hmm. Sorry. It's weird, when, <laughs> it's weird when a writer show makes you think this much. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things that I think is going to be the strength of this series is that uh, um, this is something that that you know you guys have been listening to us talk about you know debate possibility mythology biology things like that. This is a really strong series that leaves this much open for debate, but at the same time it answers so much. This is actually I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is the first writer series I think in many years that has not had a final episode that left me really disappointed with the series. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I, I agree completely. It, the other series have kind of collapsed by the end unfortunately. Uh, I liked Double's ending and then I felt that they kind of undid it with the final episode. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt the same way. Well, you, you, you separated with words. You're talking about an ending and the final episode. Right. Just as that. I mean, they should have finished. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, there was honestly, there was very big fears that they were just going to do with the last episode. Like, Kota's like, okay, made the new world, lost the golden fruit, I'm back on Earth. Yeah, I'm going again. Okay, now it's like all, all just setting up for the... Uh, setting up the, for the film? Setting up for the movie, which got announced, yes. if you look on our website. And the name yes. is Full Throttle. It's the Cameron Rider, take Cameron Rider drive versus game full throttle movie. Um, I was f- kind of expecting that they were just going to get everything back to a standard where they could just do the crossover movie and that would be okay. Um, like they have done countless times. Which they have done countless times with every show since, well, since Decade really, I guess. Because Decade had that crossover, well, crossover movie that finished everything. But... Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. They really finished it like, okay, all done. Like, if if Korta came back, then I wouldn't 
be annoyed, or I wouldn't feel like it cheated the ending at all. Because, I mean, he they already did the, oh, Kota's come back just this once to help yeah. out Stop Jam. And then he was like, okay, it's done now, okay, I'm going to go again. And well, I like, interpreted that a different back. way, actually. I interpreted that as the uh, they came back to plant the tree that has Kaito's soul in it. Yeah. Uh, because the tree appeared overnight, and it was the night that they came back. And it was the tree that had that was in the tower that had the first crack in it. That's right. Did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it was the one... It was the one that was cut down. That was the what made Kaito so angry. Yeah, yeah, is they yeah, cut the, down the, the tree the, at the, the shrine. The origin of Kaito's grudge. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, did it grow overnight? Yes, it grew overnight, and that's what they did. Yeah, the, t- the kids were like, "Oh, this used to be a vacant lot, and now there's this giant tree here." Mm, right. Okay, now let's dance. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, so for this uh, crossover movie, unless um, Takatora, you know. Re, you know, redesigns and rebuilds, you know, Sengoku drivers for some reason. We still will only have Gaim and Yugen as the only writers, pretty much, right? Well, yeah, there's to, no more to, um, Yeah, well, they, to put a bit spoilers. of a spoiler slightly uh, because we have seen some on-set photos. Uh, okay. um, so Takatora is back <laughs> in suit. Says Ryugen. Uh Who else? Uh, Duke. Oh, Duke. Duke is back, the but Cherry Orange with... Duke. Yeah. Ah, that's it's... why he's red. Yeah. Huh. But it's a- have we actually gotten person. what that's supposed to be? Um, My no. guess is one of the Roymudos can call back in with something like that. I mean, the movies are so script-wise, so, so weak script-wise, yeah. that you can do anything you want. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, like, by this point, what can you make a big enough threat that uh, would require Kota to come back? Kota the God. Go to the like, God, maybe, exactly. like the, the only thing I can think of is maybe um, another person who's taken the golden fruit in the past. Yeah. There's like nothing else. But it's a bit so funny that it's like... It's like... Because when they... I realized this recently. I, I didn't have internet on my computer. So I was just circling through some old files I had. And I came across the Double and O's movie. And during the final fight, Double's in his, like, ultimate form, um, his extreme form, which is, you know, meant to be, like, ridiculously powerful, because when they get the final forms, the original forms are nothing compared to it. That's how ridiculously overpowered are. And then he's standing next to O's, (laughs) who's just in his base form, and they do their final attacks, and it's a bit like, O's, why are you even doing anything? Like, your attack's (laughs) nothing compared to what extreme is I'm in the movie, too! (laughs) why bother? Why? Just... and then now so we're gonna have yeah. And so when we when we have the game and drive movie, we're gonna have drive standard because it's probably only gonna be after I think it's roughly about eight or ten episodes when they do the first. Maybe a, um, a, a new a new shift, uh, what, what are they called? Shift cars. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's probably gonna maybe get like the first semi power up one. Or probably just keep the same base form. But he's going to be standing next to Kota the God. This is like God and Drive pretty much in his base form. It's like, right, there is no point for you two to fight together at all. <laughs> just go clear up some mooks over there. <laughs> By the way, what did you think of the, of the transition between human Kota and that uh, blonde thing I wronged? Alien God Kota. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the acting became bad. The, the, he became blonde to start with. 
I don't. And he I was c- like, I am more peaceful. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he, he was that Gakusano was told to go and see some movies about Christ and go <laughs> and act like that. I'm pretty well, sure of that. I didn't watch the episode when it aired because I was hungover, so I just slept. <laughs> I saw it later in the day. Um, I, I tell you what, I've probably watched about four episodes on a Sunday morning because it's just too early. It's a Sunday. And so I saw all these pictures of like Koto with all this blonde hair and this ridiculous costume. And there were lots of fan rumours, and I call them fan rumours because they weren't true, and they weren't even remotely true, about Jam meant to be like a clone or like a double of Gaim. And I was like, oh, so that must be from the preview, and that's that's Jam, right? And then when he transformed, I was like, okay, okay, I've spent a year watching Fruit. Rider and ninjas, samurais. I can just deal with this. This is the final thing. Just let it, let it go. <laughs> and they could have made a costume for you. I mean, two episodes, yes, but you're closing the series. No, you used a kid bash of, of the Kiwami arms that you have been using all this past ten episodes and the chest plate of uh, Kurokage. Kurokage. Yeah. I, I like yes. that, though. It's, yeah, I like it. Lo- it looks really nice. Too. It looks neat. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't I, look out of place. No, probably, at the I, same I, time, I it's still just ridiculous. That it's too obvious. I actually didn't notice it until someone pointed it out, but uh, uh, oh, and uh, I was going back to the acting real quick. I um, I I don't like the way that his manner of speech changes, but I do like that uh, he takes a much more like flowery and regal posture. (laughs) Flowery. mm, (laughs) I see what you did there. It's a great word to define it with, actually, but (laughs) I don't know. But maybe it was that the acting ruined it. They could have p- pulled it off. But, I mean, Mai did it so well. Yes. The, the actress was so well. It was so natural for her. But she's had she's had to, to be in that role since the start of the show, though. Of course, no, but, had... no, no, but go back and watch those episodes. It's not the same. There, there is <laughs> a peaceful quality to what she's doing. I mean, she, she does seem like someone who accepted her destiny and became a, a superior being. And, yeah. and the costume, well, it was designed for the beginning, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was just, the Cortas was just designed along the way, and they just said, well, just put these two together and make it look like, like mice. Mm. I can believe <laughs> when she, she transformed critical, in the show uh, into her god form, um, when she actually transformed. And I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that character, because she hasn't been in it for like 20 episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah completely forgotten. I loved how they tied it together, though, how they tied the, the beginning scene of the very first episode in, into the... Um, yeah, actually, um, that's something I want to talk about. Did you... F- you said you liked it. I'm slightly on the fence about it, because... We all watched Decade. We were all like, oh my god, this right of war, oh my god. And then the last episode came, we were like, this is not the same. This is, this is, <laughs> this is, this is not good. We don't like this. And they... I, I don't know if it's because I've been burnt before. Because we had, you know, this big fight and we were like, oh, but Takatora is dead. Um, yeah, sorry. Did anyone see the tweet that I did with the conversations me and Eager Devil kept having? No. I, right, I so, did see it, yeah. I, I right. was in that conversation. So, yeah, Cooney was there a few times. With our... Basically, when uh, uh, Takatora got hit into the river, I think it was like the day afterwards, uh, me and Eager <laughs> Devil went out. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe he's dead. He's like, he can't be dead. We have seen so many riders fall into the river. And I was like, dude, his like, face mask was broken and he sunk to the ground. We've never seen anything like that. We just see them go in the water and then, you know, they wash up the next episode. 
And he's like, oh, okay, you know, just wait a few episodes. And a few episodes. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I was like, he's dead. It was like, he's, he didn't wash up anywhere. And yeah, it's months, technically a bay. It's not a river. Yeah. It's totally different. Totally different. So, <laughs> it's a body of water. For weeks and then months, so I was like, every time I was talking to him, I was like, still think is alive. Like, <laughs> he's like, they can't, it's a rider trope, they can't break that rider trope. Like, I know it's a little bit true and everything, but they can't break this trope. And I was like, ha 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 ha. And then it came to the last episode, uh, 46, and I messaged him, like, like taking the piss out of him, going, lol, do you think Takatura is still floating down the river? And he replied, <laughs> And then I said, oh, I haven't seen today's episode. And he replied, oh. I'm not saying anything. Oh. <laughs> and then an hour later, I watched this. I just replied in caps. I was like, you were right to along. <laughs> and then he said, I remember it perfectly. I know a rider dead when I see one. <laughs> <laughs> I tip my hat to you, Paul. It's the old comic book rule. No body, no death. Yeah, yeah like it would have been hard to accept his death because they didn't really... Um follow up on it too much oh it's no just... I, w- I would have crushed skulls if they had left him like that right. yeah, that it was, was too uh, uh, abrupt of an ending for his character it was mm-hmm. so unfair That's to him i mean he was <laughs> i just i'm in such so in love with those two characters the kurishima brothers yeah they were so well executed so well acted yeah that's why i was mm-hmm. okay with him coming back just because he has such a role in like you know you have a you have an obligation to help your younger brother who went astray trying to sort of be like you. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there were so many beautiful things in that final fight where he was like, I'm just doing what you told me. Like, you know, the yeah. powerful have to Yeah, have the to conversation was really intense. And he was just like it kind of broke Takatora. Yeah. He was already like, Okay, I have to kill my brother. Like he accepted I have to kill him. I have to be the one to do it. I am the big brother. I'm the one who tried taking care of him, and I fucked up. And then during that fight, Michi kind of like reveals to him, "But I did everything you you ever taught me." But he just went a different route. Yeah. And he's just like, "Oh, oh he, god!" He, yeah, yeah. So, he, he so him coming at the right. end. Mm. So I, him coming at I the end. I don't ending. just want to. I don't just want to become you, brother. I want to replace you and go past what you did. Yeah. Uh. And, you know, Takatora is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, the there was a line when he finally, before he told Kota that he killed Yuya, he was saying to Michi that I want to break him. He wants to break that spirit of not giving up, fighting through. Because Takatora had given up that he could save everyone. I mm. think I think that Takatora was Kota. He was yes. out like he was like we can save the world, we can do this. I'm working for this company. We're working on making these belts. Uh we can do it. We can save everybody. And then slowly they started to realize we can't save everyone. We can only save a percentage of the population. And those are just the facts. There's no actually Sid, Sid was the first to notice that. He was telling the others there's this bug telling, you know, you know, telling shit, Takatora, and he's just botting, he's botting, and, and, and that, that we should we should take care of it. That's one, That's the first time they decide to, I mean, the Yggdrasil side decides to get rid of Takatora, of, of Kota, right? I mean, besides Michi. Mm. And it, it, it's really interesting because Takatora, 
Tekator has such strong belief that I can't save everyone, but I can save the people I can. And if that means I need to be cutthroat, then I will do it because this is the position I've got and this is what I have to do. And he wants to break Kota and he mm-hmm. successfully does for that episode just before yeah. he gets uh, Kachidoki arms. Mm-hmm. And he wants to reinforce the fact that he made the, the decision, the right decision. And he, Kota gets back up again and is like, no, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to keep on trying to save everybody. It doesn't matter what you guys think. I can save everyone. I know I can do it. And Takator is like, gets defeated by him. And then he's still kind of a, like, but I made the right choice. Just, you know, ignore Kota and ignore Kota. It doesn't matter. I made the right choice. I made the right choice. And then Kota says, these, these guys got the overlords. If we speak to them, we can get them to like stop the invasion and save the world. And it, there is no, nothing stopping Takatoro going like, oh, that's a terrible idea. He detransforms and he's like, okay, let's go look for them. Because <laughs> he's finally found a way to save everybody. And yeah. he's like, okay, okay, we can do it. And he's telling Mitchie, he's like, I can't believe, you know, Kota, he's going to help us save the world. This is fantastic. This is so good, you know. And that, that's when Mitchie loses in him. it. That's another thing, because yeah. that's why yeah. he told Kota. Because of all the shit you told my brother, now you, 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 what did, what did he say? You passed on your, your own disease to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why yeah, I need to get rid of it. He disease. And it was so good. And that, yeah, and that the was episode great after, too. That was amazing. They killed scene. him, or they thought they killed him. They knocked him off the building. And his last line was like, run, Mitchie, run, Mitchie, go tell Kota. Like, go tell Kota what's happening. It's okay. Ah. It's okay, bro. Oh, yeah. And then, and then, yeah. Oh, no, and then Sid turns around with, man, you just watched us kill your own brother. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. <laughs> and it's just, oh, jeez. I love Takuto, and I love the actor. If you have not seen the Garo movie, the uh, Dragon of the Blue Cry, no, Blue Dragon of... The one with the Scarecrow. Yeah, he plays Scarecrow in it. He was oh, great in that. <laughs> he really was. He's, he's fantastic. He's completely, completely different. He's yeah, it's like, like the complete opposite of a character, and I thought that was what was really fascinating, because I, I watched that movie quite a bit after Gaim started. And so <laughs> seeing him play this, like, kooky kind of jerk of a Scarecrow character was pretty cool. He is a really great actor. There's a thing that I actually was... I, I wish I could ask Urobuchi this, but... I want to know if they chose him as an actor because, and and they costumed him that way because he looks like Hongo Takeshi. And there's a part of me that I, I want to see this Takatora as a character being the first uh, Sengoku driver, rider, the prototype. He makes me wonder if he's supposed to be a stand in for Kamen Rider number one. How many years has he been fighting Shocker? And he can never defeat it. Shocker always comes back. Neo Shocker, Gel Shocker. There's, there's so many different uh, 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 things. And he's been fighting forever. How does he manage to keep hope that he can actually stop them? And that's kind of what I see in Takatora is that he's finally started to crack. He knows he can't save everybody. Mm. And there's even a certain yeah. appearance that's similar to... Uh, Hongo Takeshi, he wore a suit quite a bit in in, in some of the uh, you know in his civilian outfit. Yeah. Sometimes he wore a suit, and uh, but yeah, he never gave up hope. So uh, this is what happens when Common Rider fights too long. He starts to think, well, maybe it's okay if I save some of them. Mm. 
Wow. It's, again, this is, a, oh God, I just love Guy. In fact, I really yeah. want to sit with a friend who doesn't watch Kamen Rider and just say, like, okay, just ignore the fruit stuff. I know it's crazy, but just sit there and let's watch it together. And I want to see if they get the same experience that I did. I mean, because oh, it's so well written. And some of the yeah. characters are amazing. And it just surpasses so just Cameron Ryder in general. Tokusatsu it's general. not just it's a good just... Tokusatsu show. It's yeah. a good science fiction show in general. Yeah, exactly. yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I'm actually a friend of mine just started it. I think he's about seven episodes in. And when he first saw it, like he's seen a bit of like, I think he's seen a bit of Forze, and I think he saw Double. and But he doesn't watch Kamen Rider regularly, so he knew that it was a Fruit Rider show. <laughs> but it didn't really, you know, click until everybody, like all of us were saying, oh, this is an amazing show. And then he finally started, and he was like, oh, this is okay, the dancing is stupid, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as episode four hit and Takatora fought uh, Kota for the first time, that's when it cut him like, oh, this is, the show is going to turn on me. And it's going to be something totally different. And that's why he started watching just the potential of something greater in the storyline. Nothing, not just, you know, sticking with this, you know, the beginning arc of the dancing and whatnot. Mm. I mean, that's a really important scene as well, because yeah. before that point, Kota was, you know, the happy-go-lucky messing around dancing. Yeah. And then he fights Takatoa, who's just like, He's already in the zone of, you know, got to kill all these, you know, got to let all these people die so I can save a certain percentage. He's already had to kind of train himself to keep that level of emotion restrained. And Kota basically runs away terrified. He is he is shaken to his core. And it's the first he, time he ever loses. He doesn't want to transform anymore after that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it's interesting that, you know, the, the difference prior to that point, and then after that point, of seriousness and not seriousness. Mm-hmm. Um, Ishinomori created a storyline where a human being, a normal human being, is given the powers of a monster. And he chooses to use those powers for good rather than for evil. The only difference between a monster and a human or an augmented human is how you choose to use it, and that's even in the song too. How? What are you going to? Where are you going to find? And how are you going to use the forbidden fruit? Um, so, in the movie, we saw if you have seen the Showa versus Heisei movie, uh, there's a big throwdown between the Showa writers and the Heisei writers over whether or not they're true common writers. And so, what do you think, uh, Ishinomori? would think about Gaim if he were here today to say it. Do you think this would be a series that he would, uh, that he would enjoy as a, uh, um, uh, extension of his own personal work? He'd probably say, what's up with all this fruit? <laughs> I think it was positive stylistic, uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Factors. I think yeah. he, he would see all this that you mentioned. Yeah. And the fact that that important trope, for example, that not many people notice, the fact that the writer always is always using the power of, of uh, some power that is actually causing trouble. And as you said, the only difference it makes is that they are using for good. But they cannot, they, they are renouncing to some part of their humanity by, by grasping this power. 
Philip told that to to uh, Shotaro when they met. Do you want to ride with the devil? Because mm. he knew what he was uh, getting into. Mm. Mm. Um, Black is also one of those series that really kind of gets into the the mythology of Common Rider, and I love Common Rider Black. That's uh, my favorite series of all. It's 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 a fantastic series, and uh, so. This also, by the way, is one of uh, Urobuchi has mentioned that he loves Common Rider Black, so I do think that was an influence on on this work here. Um, the uh, um, uh, there certainly is kind of parallels uh, of the Shadow Moon and Black uh, uh, rivalry, I think, in, uh, uh, in in Kota and Kaito. I think we spoke, we talked about it in the forums. Don't you think? <laughs> that this transition uh, that Kaito went through after he got after he got the injury wasn't that a bit too quick? Yes, yeah. it was really abrupt. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been saying that for a while. It's just it was really it it happened like just so rapidly that it it was kind of a little bit off putting to me. I mean, I understand it, but it just happened so quickly it, that exactly, exactly, it was you, unnatural. You the point exactly. We knew that would happen. It was just we didn't see any any process to it, so it felt abrupt and, and a bit, you know, empty. Honestly, I'm a bit confused because I think within the space of two episodes, Kaito says two very very his, his motivations kind of were motives. like complete opposites. <laughs> well, he, he, he even like this is after he became Lord Baron. He says about how he's going to go and destroy the weak. Mm-hmm. And then, like an episode later, he says that he's gonna not destroy the weak, but destroy the powerful to help the weak become stronger. It's like really weird how he said it. I guess and that I... would be a more of a wording thing, because he talked about a world with weak and strong, uh, in which the weak had to uh, submit to grasp the strong. their power. Yeah, and uh, yes, and if they didn't want to submit, they would they would have to grasp power to 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 mm-hmm. to become strong. And he, what he, how he wanted to eliminate that, I mean, no more strong, no more weak. If, mm-hmm. the, if, the, if only the strong survive, then there will be no weak people. It's a, quite a simple way of thinking about it, but that's what he was saying. But he, he's kind of, he's always been like, weak people should be able to get power, but they have to work for it. And that's well, kind of what because he did. He, he's the main example. He 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 didn't have any power to stop the 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 building taking place of his tree. And mm. he, the, I mean the 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 the, the motivation Trying was just resentment, and that resentment became power. I mean, I think he realized by then how he on pure how corrupted the 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 origin of his of his um, of his strength was. And probably that's why he realized that he he could not fight along Kota, and then would just decided to go the other way. Yeah, it always felt like he wanted there to be like an even even playing field, whereas like when he you know started on his journey, there was already people way up at the top pushing everybody else down. So it's sort of like he wanted to take everybody out that's on the top, take all the weak out, and then have everybody in the middle start off on the same level, and then whoever you know, rises to, you know, power, they mm-hmm. really deserve it, rather than being, like, sort of like in a video game, spawning and then having, like, someone level 50 already, you know, dominating the map, whereas 
you're starting up at zero. Everyone having a chance. Yeah. Mm, that's kind of how I thought of that. He wants an even playing field for everybody. Yeah. But what what was his ultimate goal? What just to go around and kill governments, like destroy governments and? I don't know. I don't... That's another thing that you know just <laughs> didn't work for me. He 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 wanted the weak to disappear, but that didn't exactly mean that he would kill all humans. Although he had become an, in, an overlord himself, and he had an army of invest, and he was fighting another similar uh, being. I mean, would you consider Koda an overlord when he finally embraced the power of Kiwami arms? Yeah. If if he had become uh, DJ Sagara's thing to to uh, 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 Kota after he became uh, uh, ascended, he told him that the next step was to destroy the world. He had to destroy the world and remake it in his image. So it all came down to who gets to destroy the world. So it would have become a level playing field had he done it. I feel that DJ Sagara would have said, well, you have to destroy the world now. And Kaito would have said, okay. And that would have been that. And uh, I guess from the biological perspective, there we have another thing. Um, We have the mating dance. And the two alpha predators doing battle for the... Who who has the right to mate with the, the female, and who has the right to propagate the species? So uh, there there is that too. But yeah, I mean, there was always kind of a romantic tension, sort of, between him and Mai. There were a lot of scenes between those two, and uh, that was a very interesting thing where he he actually acknowledged to her, "You actually are very strong." Mm. Well, he he acknowledged her as a, as an alpha female, right? Yes, yes. but he, he didn't care about her. He just wanted the fruit. Well, no, because she said to him, do you want the fruit or do you want me? And he said, that doesn't matter. If I get you, you are the fruit. Actually, yeah. If I get you, yeah, if I get the fruit, it's you. You know, you're one in the same, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was nice, because it was a bit like... Do you really want to? Like, like, you're pretty sure you just want the fruit. <laughs> what kind of fruit do you want? <laughs> um. So, okay, here's a question. What What do you perceive to be uh, Kaido's relationship with uh, Yoko? Mm, weird. A weird one. Yoko is another, another subject. I loved her so much. I loved her so much, and I was very annoyed that she essentially stopped Kaito's jacket from being burnt. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say it like that, it just hurts more. It really, I was so disappointed in her death. uh, Because, again, falling is more dangerous than monsters in this series. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody falls. Gravity's a bitch, man. Yeah. Uh, she, She had. She was really good. She, again, another fantastically written character and acted really well. You could tell that she was loving every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And she had no interest in becoming king or queen or ruler. She basically wanted to be the person on the shoulder. She wanted to help enable someone she to get that to power to, and to rule, which is why she never helped out Korta, because Korta never wanted to rule. He just wanted to save everybody's smiles and 
um, make everyone's laundry pure white and stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> do you think she ever would have had it? Now, obviously, we don't. Uh, we see from the very beginning because of the time travel shenanigans um, that uh, Mai is going to be the woman of the the beginning. But do you think she ever would have had a chance of being uh, the woman of the beginning? And I'm talking about Yoko here. I don't think so. I don't well, think she would have wanted to. She didn't have the right mindset. I think. No, she, she didn't. She didn't ever seem to want to obtain power. She never. I think Mai. She. Yeah, she was like a yeah, trainer, but that... like, like uh, someone. To, she wanted to teach and nurture. And well, she she kept saying that to Kaito. I want to. I, I'm I'm drawn to strong people, but I think she was more drawn to ambition. That's why she she couldn't. She didn't have any interest in 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 Kota. And uh, she told Michi very clearly, "You just don't have. You're not king material. That's why you you don't interest me." Oh yeah, because that's when Michi came back and he was like, everything's fine, everything's fine, team Gaim and friends. And Kaito and Yoko are looking at him like, no, yeah, we know you're a fucking bastard. There's a fantastic animated gif uh, that I love of of Kaito and her looking at each other and then just looking absolutely disappointed. (laughs) I'm sure you guys have seen it. It's it's a a fantastic scene. Michi saying some bullshit and then them two going like, oh my god. (laughs) My god, this son of a bitch. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean uh, we can't talk about Yoko without bringing up female riders in general I feel oh, I, can, I, can, I can you know confidently say she's the best female rider up to date mm. I yeah. liked her I mean yeah. she she wasn't when she was bad she was bad but when she was good she went around helping protect people yeah mm-hmm. um, so she kind of played both and she actually she does her own uh, suit acting, which That's I want to point of, out one, because one it's amazing. She yeah. she's the actual person in suit and everything. Yeah, yeah. She actually That's has so been cool. doing suit acting for about five six years, I think. I kind of wish she had um, more fight scenes out of suit. Like she had some, but I wish she had a little bit more. Oh god, with those high heels! <laughs> I love that. She's Every, got really like, nice everybody legs. evacuated from um, <laughs> from the city, and she was wandering around still high heels. High kicking Ives. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she's she's a fantastic writer, and uh, yeah, as she'd been working on the shows uh, for like five or six years, roughly, um, she was one of the dope pants. I think she was rat dope pant in Grasshopper. 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 That's it. Um, she always said she always wanted to be a writer, and I. I she did was... read that she was disappointed at the beginning that she was an evil rider because she wanted to be a good rider. <laughs> and mm. then she ended up becoming a good rider anyway. Um, sort of, at um, times. Uh, <laughs> like, in the movie, again, spoilers, as you kind of saw from the trailers, everybody progressively dies in it. Dies. Uh, you can't see me, but I'm doing bunny ears. Like, quotation marks. <laughs> um, dies. But she is one of the only characters not to die. In it, which I thought was interesting. In a world where every female Cameron Rider dies, in the movie where all the characters die, she's the only one who doesn't. And she <laughs> right. like you, you forget about her uh, because she and kind of like sneaks away. Oh yes, there she was. She swings in, and I mean literally, <laughs> yeah. she, swings she swings in, in on yeah. a freaking chain 
and kicks somebody in the face. It's amazing. Wow. <laughs> She's awesome. I knew there was and... a reason I liked her. <laughs> <laughs> and so her I didn't mind her dying because when they put the female riders in, they do die and they don't tend to obtain much or do the, have that much impact on the story sometimes. Whereas she did so much and had such a variety of roles and jumping back and forth and the interaction she had with some of the characters was wonderful. Uh, the actress, the suit acting, everything was great. And to have her die didn't bother me, but it was just how they, she died. Yeah, I yeah, just thought it was a bit more lame. Glory, more, more, I mean, a flashier dead at least, that something with more dignity. Mm. Dying, saving Kaito, for whatever reason, that's fine. <laughs> but... Uh, I from that explosion. I think yeah. the uh, like the ultimate insult to her character was uh, when she when Kaito just says fruit is a fruit and Yoko is Yoko. Mm. It's like uh, at that point you realize she was really nothing to him. You're just <laughs> uh, you're just a pawn in my game. You're just something that dies oh, to keep I'm me going. Now. Yeah, but <laughs> the thing is, she was probably aware of that. Yes. Yeah. And that, that, that's Sada. That's Sada still. <laughs> at least Oren lived. Yes, everybody was betting on him to die, and and the big bully at the beginning of the show turned into uh, one of the biggest support characters in the show. You, you, that wasn't a mm. transition. That you, you see, that's a quick transition that worked. Yes, mm. that was quick, but a, it worked. Well, a was, joke there, character who stayed a joke character, but still was a very useful character. And he, yes, men yes, and he mentored uh, yes. Genochi too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, because uh, uh, he joined the cafe, and then they kind of mostly disappeared for a while. And after the revelation about, um, like when it got shit all got serious, and Kota found out about Yuya and stuff, they both then came back, um, and they were unaware of how serious things were. They were still acting as if it was the first few episodes of Gaim, and it was mm-hmm. kind of a funny contrast to watch the ridiculousness and then the seriousness, and. As soon as they learnt that stuff had got real, is when you know all those Kamen Riders got together when Helheim started proper invading, and they were all back to back, and they were having that big fight with all the Ives, and it was just like, oh my god! As soon as things got serious, they just flipped they knew, and went, yeah, okay. They, uh-huh. And it's such a beautiful, wonderful scene, and I was just like, yes, come on, Kamen Riders, Armored Riders, Armored Riders, Armored Riders. Yeah, they never actually say. I was ex- I was fully expecting at the final episode to be like, aha, you are Kamen Rider Gaim or something, like you know, to bestow the name. Well, yeah, Michi, did is, it. You're a Michi is going to become uh, Michi can't assume the name Armored Rider because it does a disrespect. Now he will be Batman. No, Kamen uh, <laughs> Rider. He will live on and pre- be a silent protector. But when you like about Michi, when you see his clothes when he found in the last episode in forty seven. So it kind of looks like he's dressed like a show writer. Like he's kind of dressed like black or, you know. I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. So he does feel like an actual common writer as opposed mm-hmm. to just an armored writer. By that point, I actually got the uh, the feel that um, Michi's sort of going down the path of Hongo himself. Early on in the original writer series, Hongo's having all of these um, issues with himself about how he's this horrible monster that can never be with humans. But his friends are still there to support him. And to me, that's very symbolic of what happens with Michi. Hmm. Yeah, indeed. Michi doesn't feel 
you know, fit to, to be with them again because of what, we did, what he did. There's a, 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 a little thing, by the way, that I absolutely love. If you saw the, the Heisei versus, uh, 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 the Showa versus Heisei film, um, the scene at the very end where uh, they're about to fight, um, when uh, um, Gaim fights against Hongo uh, 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 Takeshi and he does his transformation, for a moment you actually see the scars on his face that were in the manga. Oh, yes. And it's, it's a yes. fantastic scene for, for people. And uh, you also see the uh, Sakurajima costume before he transforms into the, the more current uh, version. You see the other version of the Common Rider costume, the number one costume, the darker colored one that they used in the series. Really? And it, there were a lot of really great shout outs in that film. If you haven't seen it, you guys definitely need to make sure you do it. Uh, Which yeah. Uh, uh, Showa versus Heisei. Oh, I need to rewatch it. Yeah. That's a film that I came, I went in expecting it to be another horrible Tyson movie and then came out with the biggest grin on my face. Like, it made no sense half the time, but god damn it, I enjoyed it. It was really noticeable, yeah. They're getting better. That's the good thing. Yeah, slowly but surely. Yeah. Very slowly. <laughs> Anything else we should address? Should we, uh, start wrapping up? Yeah. But, um, Closing thoughts? Anything else? Any other points before that? Okay, I want to make one um, point. Use. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say that given the track record writers had the last couple of years, even if Gaim hadn't been this good of a series... I think literally in the hands of anybody else, this would have been the worst show ever. Because these are fruit superheroes. And with Kamen Rider, it's very rare that you see staff members actually go out of their way and try to build this deep mythology with what, whatever the toy of the year is. Mm, there's, there's definitely... A lot of people don't realize the toys have such an extreme impact on how the show should work. Oh, yeah. And uh, right at the beginning, because the show started airing like weeks before Christmas, like just a few, it was like four or five episodes before Christmas Day, and they needed to get out every single lock seed that they could so kids yeah, could sh- be sh- like, Mommy, buy me them for Christmas. Um, which is why there's so many riders at the beginning and why there's so many lock seeds at the beginning, because they were trying to advertise everything. And something like Wizard, where that kind of fouled its own toy line because they had so many magic rings, like the not the uh, the form changes, but like the like the every episode he would he would make a new ring and it'd be a new ability or something. But oh, like a big that hand kind of thing. yeah, that kind of dropped off a bit because the producers say you have to implement this toy. You have to put it into the show somehow so we can sell it. And it's up to the writer to put it into the show in a, in a way that works, that's good for the show, good for the toy as well, rather than kind of just sh- sh- like fuck the show, just put the toy in, just put the toy in, which we've had before. But one time I always remember in Kiba was, in a way, uh, the writer at the time, they were pushing him to use the toys uh, and he, he 
I don't know this personally, but if you watch the show and think about it, he did not like the idea of being told use this toy for this episode. Because there's the Dorian Castle, Doran Castle, and then there's the little baby one. And then Ixa got his own thing, which we saw for like two episodes. It was the most randomly put in thing in the world. It made no sense. Out of story context, it was ridiculous. We never the got people, explanation you mean? of what the Dorian... The powered Ixa yeah. and the, whatever the little dragon called. Yeah, yeah, like we never yeah. got an explanation about that. But that's when that's when you shoehorn stuff in, where the writers just have to put it in because they want to sell those toys. But it's almost painfully obvious, too, when they do it. Ah, yeah, this yeah, thing, it's yeah, horrible. I remember now. It's really bad. The, the misers in Kabuto are really bad about that. Yeah, that was another not-so-great one. Gorebusters, as well, they just ditched the spy theme so quickly. And Those so cameras, I think they used them once or twice, and then they, they never got used again. They, they used it, yeah. like, way at the end of the series. Ah, yeah. And yeah. then they re- they remember, oh yeah, we have this. Uh, Kyo Yuger, they, they I think they used the shotgun mode on there. You remember how you could combine the the sword and the uh, and, and the the gun to make yeah, a, a I have shotgun? About yeah, it so quick. yeah. That's what Violet used to use a lot, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, she was know, the only one that really it. did. They didn't. They hardly used it throughout the entire course of the show, except for Yayoi. So, ostensibly, I guess the 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 whole uh, pretty much every common rider. Uh, uh, pr- pretty much anything on on uh, TV Asahi Saturday morning is designed to sell toys. People often say, "Oh, the show got terrible ratings." Yeah, but the toy sales were fantastic. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's all that the company really cares about: is are we moving product? This is but something. I, yeah, go on. Sorry, but I was saying, but still, there is an impetus by the uh, uh, Bandai is going to say. We need you to sell this toy, and I'm really pleased how Guy managed to put the toys in there, but keep the toys coming back. We saw him using the old forms, uh, you know, constantly in there. He didn't just go straight to Kiwami Arms every time. There was a progression of of power, which was really nice. And as we were talking about Kiva, a lot of people complained he would just jump to Emperor form, yeah, like straight away. He wouldn't even transform to Kiva. He would just go Emperor. Slash 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 kill the monsters and then it would go back to the writing about the episode again. I hate that <laughs> <form> so much. <laughs> I hate it was that. the toys in that were just. Forze was unfortunately guilty of that too. Hey, well, when am I going to use fire states again or elect states or something? Never. That, that was so <laughs> difficult because they were essentially told every episode here's a new switch you have yeah. to use in this episode. And if I was a writer on that, I'd be like, fucking hell, I don't want to use this. Paint, snowboard. What do I do with a snowboard? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's Tokyo during summer. <laughs> oh, he uh, goes to Mount but, Everest, and he has to get to yeah. the bottom really quick. <laughs> but, talking about toys, I think one of the single greatest tokusatsu fights ever is the Forze movie. Where um, it's, it's Space Time? I think that's the name of the movie. Yeah, everybody's and yeah, he uses every single switch in one fight. He uses them like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all the way up to 40. Wow. <laughs> and it's an awesome fight scene because it only lasts like three minutes, four minutes, and it's hilarious to watch and ridiculous stunts, but he uses every single switch. Yeah. And that's I... one of the few times that I've watched something and been like, 
yes, you've used the toys correctly. Like, <laughs> this is how you advertise toys. I yeah. was thinking about that uh, the other day. I couldn't remember what movie it was. I just I remembered the scene perfectly because um, we were talking about how Wizard didn't utilize its toys all that well uh, and being incredibly shoehorned in. And so we were talking about the effectiveness of using the toys in fight scenes. And I, I just always think of the, the Forze one in the, that movie just being incredibly fun and a good use of all of the variety of modules that he had. Yeah. Mm. I'm continuously going, I'm going to be very sad that the, uh, uh, most of the, um, um, Bravo toys are premium Bandai only. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, even his actor was annoyed about that on Twitter. Uh-huh. He, at one point, he was like, "Where is, the... <laughs> where is my where's toy? The... Yeah, where's the DX Lockseed? <laughs> like that's literally what he tweeted." Yeah, that's one of my mm. favorite Lockseeds, actually. The Dorian the Deluxe. Yeah, that I hey. got from Premium Bandai. I think Hase doesn't have a DX one, does he? The Pinecone one. The pine... it, yeah, he does. And it just the, came uh, out this month. Yeah, but it's a yeah. premium one, or is it normal? Yeah, yeah, it's premium. It, it's it's deluxe. It it has light and sound. It, it, I, I mean, hope could... they get a jam one. I really like the apple with the pink and the black. Yeah, I like that. That looks cool. That's the rotten apple. I'm. I mean, we could actually podcast about just talking about viewing figures and toy sales. To be honest, <laughs> that's true. Because. Yeah, as much as people like to quote viewing figures, um, I've spoken to lots of people nowadays, and viewing figures don't mean shit anymore. Yeah. They don't care. It's all about the toy sales. Yeah. Because yeah. even, you know, uh, those like digital recorders? Uh-huh. Like everybody's got one of those in Japan. Everybody uses it for That's everything. how I watch my shows. Yeah. And <laughs> even, if, even if you're going to watch it live, you tend to record it anyway. <laughs> and those records. Don't add to viewing figures at mm. all. There are so many people you see on the train watching it on their their mobile mm. phone or something like that. So mm. those don't add to the viewing figures either. So uh, I don't know who who wakes who wakes up at that time of morning in in Japan anymore, right? Well, also <laughs> um, download figures from like fan subs. I mean, mm. the amount that are from Japan yeah. is surprisingly a lot higher than you'd think. <laughs> who just want to watch it because, uh, you know, they didn't watch the episode or something. Like, I know Japanese fans who go on American uh, anime streaming sites to watch episodes because it's yeah. easier for them to do that than it is to find it without subtitles. Yeah. Wow. They I just can't type it late. I just want to watch the film, yeah. Yeah, type it to Google. There you go. Got it. <laughs> so the subtitles are at the bottom. Who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learn some English while you're doing it. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a win-win. She's a mash. Bastard. <laughs> um, has anyone got anything else, or should we wrap up? Ooh, we should start wrapping up. Yeah, I think we've I think we've we've pretty much covered all the major parts here. But uh, uh, this was fantastic, fellas. I'm really glad we had this. Uh, I'm really glad we had this chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad. Thank you, sir. I'm glad we managed to just, you know, squeeze all this discussion out. 
Oh, yes. This is really just even even just what we've done here is pretty much just scratching the surface of it. There is this is going to be a television show that is talked about uh, for years to come. I think just because of the the depth of it, we we've only really just talked about a small amount of it. I think you it, can interpret it in so many ways. Yeah. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think it so, will be like the new. It'd be like sort of like how everybody sort of revered Double as like you know the best show in like a few like four four or so years like this is going to be the next one like yeah. for the next like four or five years everybody will mm-hmm. talk about Gaim and recommend Gaim for people who are new to this to the you know to the genre mm-hmm. mm. which is weird because it's a sh- show about fruit superheroes <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I really think... want to see Urobuchi uh, take on Sentai yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine that how does he feel that about be, Sentai oh my god how does... I don't know has he talked about it before I don't know I don't, don't, know I don't think not anyone has that. asked him. All right, we're going to send him a letter and we're going to ask him, <laughs> how do you feel about it? Can it be handwritten? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write it in crayon. <laughs> Each line can be a different color, just like a Sentai. Right. Exactly. Draw <laughs> fruit all around it. I, w- I would like to see him or somebody from uh, Nitro Plus return at some point. Yeah. Yeah, to, to Kamen Rider, fanta- that would be fantastic. It's just having this like, outside talent that doesn't regularly work with Tokusatsu is fresh. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the results were great. Fresh, I think like this is going to <laughs> encourage uh, Toei to, to call more people from outside. I mean, there's lots of talent out there. Yeah. It's just, uh, I kind of, like, I mean, he was great. He's done stuff that was great before, and I like the idea that every few years they will just grab someone who's never done Toku before and go, "Okay, yeah, yeah, this yeah. year you're going to do Toku." But then it makes me worry about it because it's like, okay, I like to think that this was a fantastic choice, but there was also a sense of luck in it that he was able to write something as good as well. But if they were to do it again in five years and get an outside source, will we be as lucky as again? Like, will they write something as good, or could it be something? Well, I think it's worth really a try. Good. I mean, for for what's what's worth. Yeah, well, Having I mean, these shows aren't afraid to. Um, but I'm right. I'm, I'm about the exception. I mean, how this can be exceptionally. I mean, having gone exceptionally well. You know, something I feel like we kind of skipped over was just how much um, influence Takebe might have had on the show. Because we talk so much about uh, Urobuchi, but the producer also has like a huge amount of influence. That is true. I, I hear Takebe actually uh, um, uh, cries if you say the word common Rider" on the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to say it on a Takebe show. Like a triggering thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a trigger. <laughs> all right, all right. So final thoughts uh, for everybody. Um, Kevin, you've been quite a main something. Oh, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that again. No, we're keeping that in. Kevin, final thoughts. You first. First of all, everyone, thank you for, for listening to the podcast. Uh, I hope you had as much fun listening to it as we had putting it together. Uh, as you can see, there's tons of things we can talk about in here. Uh, if you have not seen Gaim yet, I hope this convinced you to watch it. It is a fantastic show. Uh, make sure you join us again. Uh, we're going to be talking about Drive in a couple of weeks here. And uh, coming off of Gaim, as you can say, 
uh, our anticipation for this is very high. So those of you who might be listening from Toei, um, don't let us down, please. <laughs> we're, we're, well we're, we're counting on you. Gamata Kutsai. Who's next? Tom, George. final thoughts. Okay, okay, MB2. mate. Um, <laughs> Gaim. Gaim. How many times, how many tears have I cried while watching you? Um, a lot. Probably like a bucket load. Uh, to fans out there, if you're going to recommend this to other people, I would recommend another Rider series first, because I feel like if you made them start with this, um, it might be slightly unfair to then go to other shows. Um, yeah, hopefully in the next podcast, and the one after that, we'll be talking about Space Sheriff movies, because they will be out on home release by then. And I'm very looking forward to talking about that, because they were very enjoyable. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, I guess f- just following up on what Tom said, I think it would be a good idea to introduce people to a different common writer series that you think is stable, but you know also stumbles a little bit. That way, when you introduce someone to Gaim, they'll already know that you know the show can stumble a little bit before it really finds its footing, and they they won't have you going like, "Oh my God, this is the best show ever! Watch it!" And the first few episodes aren't fantastic and it just puts them off okay <laughs> um it, it's it's been a year absolutely and coming from a situation where i really really didn't like forze and then as much excitement as i had for wizard dwindled out incredibly incredibly fast uh and then finding out that the theme was fruit you're like oh Ryder, what are you doing? And then just to have like this much like emotion and feeling and excitement for a series when it ends uh, is just really incredible. So um, again, like if if you haven't seen it or haven't finished it, do so. It's amazing. Um, and I completely agree in that. Watch something else first, because <laughs> yeah. watching Gaim and then going backwards to a lot of the the more recent shows uh it it's it's definitely different and i i think it can kind of be off-putting to to those other shows which are good in their own right so uh definitely keep that in mind while you're viewing but it, it it's been one hell of a ride and i've enjoyed every minute of it um i think i can say this is my favorite heisei writer series um it was just so well written. Like it had a clear thread from beginning to end. I mean, it may have stumbled once in a while, but it went like you can sort of outline the whole show. Oh, shut up! <laughs> the, you couldn't see what he was telling him to shut up. About. Somebody just wrote in chat, "Hibiki for life, biatch." Life with a Y. No, yeah. To be fair, Hibiki was my favorite show before this. Like I, I at least because that's going on in the topic. But the first half of Hibiki is like my favorite comrade. Yeah, it's one it's of the so best well series. Again. Yeah, I agree. So, <laughs> so yeah, for Gaim to pass that is just like it. It was so well done. It's like it had great memorable characters. Um, it had really well done fight scenes, and it's a show that made fruit riders something to actually sort of be intimidating. Like, the fact that a banana, a banana was intimidating for this whole show it just blows my mind. So, 
yeah, I, I definitely think this is my favorite show. Um, Heisei show, anyway. Um, I'm, I haven't seen much uh, show yet, but I will. Um, and I agree with everybody else. This is a show for someone who's seen a few writer shows beforehand. Just to, I mean, it's something you don't want to... It's it's not a good jumping point because it's a it's a weird premise, and also like you don't kind of want to don't want to start people up at the top in my opinion just because everything else will just dwindle everything else will be pale in comparison. So you have to work for your for your, for your uh, reward. You right? have to you have to suffer like we all did. <laughs> you suffer like we did. I wouldn't call it suffering. I enjoyed it. But suffer through. Well, there's some series. some series we suffer through. I can name at least some two. episodes. Second half of Hibiki, for example. I suffered through all of Kiba. And wizards. <laughs> I suffered through Kabuto. There was a good Some few people... years where we suffered, didn't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we suffered more than we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Urobuchi is known for the suffering, so... Uh, Wait, suffering, so though. has the whole Heisei series been at Urobuchi plan? Is that what's going on here? Mm, that's an interesting question. He, I mean, he, he's been wanting to do this. Ever since, I think he said he's ever since Black, he's been wanting to write a Common Rider series. So, oh. it, could this all be Urobuchi's build-up? Is it a Gorgon plot? That's mm. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Everything is a Gorgon plot. <laughs> I I dropped my I dropped my sandwich. It's a Gorgon plot. <laughs> uh, guy cut me off in traffic. It's a Gorgon plot. No, that was just me. By the way, this this joke, by the way, uh, for those of you uh, uh, who think <laughs> this is just an American thing, that is on Japanese boards, too. I think it actually came from Japanese boards. Everything is a golden plot. <laughs> uh, I also, I want to say one other thing, uh, in, in all seriousness, by the way. Um, I, I want to express my gratitude to those uh, fan subbers out there who have been spending tireless uh, days and nights translating this film. Uh, this fantastic television show, often getting it out within a day or so of it actually airing. So, good job. We really appreciate all your hard work this year, and uh, uh, this is certainly something to be proud of. So, thank you very much. Anyway, you haven't given me room for my last thoughts because you have said everything. But as Kevin said, this is just you know the surface. We have just scratched the surface. There are many underlying themes that we didn't elaborate in. We, I am really curious of what other people think about this series. People who maybe, uh, unlike us, knew Kamen Rider through the series and became fans, or maybe just saw what you know, what they are, which are fruit riders, and didn't like it at all. Maybe someone who who actually doesn't like uh, Gaim, uh, even though having been a, a fan for, for many years, etc. Anyway, uh, we are really curious to know what you think. So visit the forums. Forums.tokusatsunetwork.com There we go, that was painless We uh, will be waiting for you there Thank you very much for listening today And you may never know Why we are laughing so much At this moment What if I bleep the Tokusatsunetwork? <laughs> I'm sorry about that, I apologize again I don't know what happened there That was a, a brain fart That's it um, Okay, so uh, thank you for listening. On behalf of all of us, we uh, hope you participate in discussion in the future. Um, you can find us at tokusatsunetwork.com, uh, forums at 
forums.tokusatsunetwork.com. Um, we will miss all of the plastic furniture over this year. Um, Rest in pieces. Oh uh, Michi's still a shit. Um, <laughs> whatever. You know, fucking Kaito, man. You gotta learn how to use a, a spear. It's not a sword, okay? <laughs> it's it's not sharp on the... No, that's a spear. That's a spear. It doesn't work, man. It doesn't work. Lord of the jobbers. Also, Michi, hold a gun right. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to shoot, man. Michi, shoot, it's not a club. Shoot. Stop. It's a He's long a fan. range weapon. He is fantastic at hitting people on the back. He never misses. Never misses. <laughs> well, he shot them on the back, right? Both of them. Yeah, that's why he never missed. Um, <laughs> Thank you well, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta go, guys. See ya. He's already sounding, you know, brothers for life. Thank you. Not brothers for life. Not Brothers was never a thing. It was always, it was always a, thing. a thing. Hold on a second. It is a thing, my friend. <laughs> Screw you. Thank you very much. Buy the figure arts. Oh.